What's up, Shooters Radio Universe? You know me as Nick McCone, co-host of the Straight Shooters Podcast. And in addition to our SummerSlam 2002 deep dive that we dropped a couple days ago, we are going to upload a classic episode, SummerSlam 1991 deep dive that saw the match made in heaven and the match made in hell. SummerSlam 1991 from Madison Square Garden, our classic episode that we're uploading here because next week... We are rounding out the summer. Well, I guess we're rounding out August with SummerSlam 1992 deep dive from Wembley Stadium. Randy Savage, Ultimate Warrior, Bret Hart, British Bulldog. What a SummerSlam. The one that we thought we would never see. We're going to deep dive into that. So enjoy this episode. Classic episode, SummerSlam 1991 deep dive. And of course, this was just a few short a day or two after the news of beautiful Bobby Eaton passed away. So there's a you know a little tribute to him in the beginning of the show. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to this classic episode number 294 in the Straight Shooters canon. So enjoy the show, and we'll see you next week. I love, love being a heel. I love being a heel. In 1983 and in 84 and part of 85, we were in Louisiana for Miss South Sports for Bill Watts. And, um, and Louisiana, the people, they're a little different down there. I love, love the people down there, but they're a little different. And, and then we'd go, say, Dennis and me and Cornette would go for, say, 30 minutes, whatever, 45 minutes in a match, come out of the ring, and the people believed that we, they believed what they seen. Even the police was mad at us. So they weren't going to really help us. And we got a, a bunch of fights down there, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of close, you know, close calls, you know. Uh, and you know you come out of the ring and you've been 30 or 45 minutes. You're not, you're a little breathing heavy anyway. And then somebody jumps on you, you know maybe they've been tanked up a little bit, you know. And of course, we had Cornette who, um, who they hated, they hated him. And you know he's got his back to him all night. He had a hard job, you know. When when you got the the police believing that you really, you know, really are this mean, dashly freaking guy, they're not going to help you out on the way back to the ring, you know. They turn their heads to you, you know. People just jump all over. Yeah, it got pretty bad down there. Hey, everybody, this is Nick McCone, and on behalf of myself and my co-host, Vaughn Johnson, we want to send our condolences to the friends, family, and fans of beautiful Bobby Eaton. We recorded this episode, our deep dive into SummerSlam 1991, before the news of Bobby Eaton's passing broke. He passed away on August 4th, 2021. Bobby Eaton was one of, if not the greatest tag team superstar of all time. I remember my first glimpse of Bobby Eaton was when he started tag teaming with Lord Steven Regal in WCW as a member of the Blue Bloods. And as I got older, I started watching his 80s and early 90s stuff with the Midnight Express with Dennis Condry and Stan Lane and of course Jim Cornette. So I always appreciated what Bobby Eaton brought to the table and I think everybody else did as well. You could see on social media just the outpouring of love for Bobby Eaton and his passion for the wrestling industry and how that never swayed either. So we send our condolences to Bobby Eaton's friends, family, and fans. Rest in peace, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Oh, shooters, the radio universe! It's a new day, yes it is! I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a back nickel. Feeling good. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We read about 
with my main man pots and pans, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was a riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll let you kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your thumb, man! And I have half the brain that you do. But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, bro. Right, you know that wrestling, bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah. I said give me a hell yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 294 of The Straight Shooters, available wherever podcasts are found, including the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer, and we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us here on episode 294. We're back to the deep dives. We're deep diving, diving deep into SummerSlam 1991, took, took place 30 years ago this month, August 26, 1991 to be exact. We're recording this on August 4th, so a couple weeks shy of the 30th anniversary of this show, but a very eventful one it is to dive into SummerSlam 1991. So we're going to have a talk everything surrounding that show, all the ins and outs about that show. We're going to have a lot of fun on this, but in the coming weeks, we're going to have some more deep dives, all Patreon requests, all about SummerSlam, SummerSlam 99, SummerSlam 2000, SummerSlam 2001. <laughs> so that's just how it shook out. We got three Patreon requests. All three of those shows were the requests. Uh, if you want to be like our patrons and get your show requested and get your show covered here on the podcast, get your content. It could be a wrestling show, it could be a TV show, or whatever. If you want to have your, you know, something you requested get dived or dove into, whatever. Uh, <laughs> hit up Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ShootersRadio. Submit your request and we shall fulfill it uh, in the future. Uh, not this month because we got we booked up <laughs> for SummerSlam all this month, uh, but. Just a reminder, if you are wondering, hey, this is the second show this week. Yeah, it is. It's the second show this week because episode 293 was an exclusive interview with the good brother, Ian Riccoboni, the voice of Ring of Honor. That's, that's, that's what he really is. You know, he's a good brother of the show, obviously, but he is, more importantly, the voice of Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. We spent an hour with Ian Riccoboni talking about all kinds of things, talking about Ring of Honor uh, post-pandemic, talking about Ring of Honor during the pandemic, we talk about his career. Uh, and it was a lot of fun talking with Ian. Thanks again to Ian Riccoboni for spending an hour of his time with us. Uh, it was a very fun conversation. Wouldn't you agree, Nick? Yeah, it was uh, a long interview, and it was perfect for the podcast. And, you know, Ian enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. And it was awesome. It's been a long time since we had, uh, you know, like a just a random interview on the podcast. So it was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We're going to do more interviews in the future, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be on the lookout for those interviews along with our deep dive. So, yeah, some great con- content coming your way for all the listeners out there of the shooters. So thanks for rocking with us here on the Straight Shooters. And, again, thanks to Ring of Honor. Thanks to Ian Riccoboni for the interview. And we've we got to have Ian back on again in the future. But Absolutely. Moving on from that, i got to do my weekly check-in with my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacone. How you doing tonight, my good brother? I'm hoping this is just like an allergy attack or something. You know, I woke up and I was sneezing and I was going nuts. And uh, I had a little Arby's last night and I actually reached out to you to ask you if spicy food ever messed with your sinuses the day after. (laughs) 
Um, but I, I, I'm assuming it's allergies at this point. So I don't know if I sound different, but, uh, you know, my sinuses were a little wonky today, so it's gotten better throughout the day, but man, I, I do not like having this cause it's been a while for me. I usually wear my mask, uh, you know, with the pollens pretty bad. You know, I, I've been wearing my mask outside and I've been getting through it the last year, year and change, but, uh, yeah, I guess I didn't wear it when I was in the <laughs> drive through for Arby's last night. So uh, I don't know if it was that or or what. It sucks. I hate it, but it is what it is. Well, I hope you're feeling better sometime soon. And uh, Yeah, I mean, I felt worse. I, so I, it, this I, is like the worst I felt since March of 2020. Like I had a little sinus thing going on around that time frame, funny enough, but... Yeah, I've never known, uh, you know, I don't really have sinus issues. Uh, so, fortunately, so knock on wood for that. Yeah. I don't have any in the future. So, I, I don't really know for spicy food to mess with sinuses, but I guess it could. I'm not saying it doesn't. Like, I know it kind of clears it out for me while I'm eating it, but I, I never really know about the next day, like if it could just settle in my sinuses while I'm sleeping because I felt different when I woke up, but it could have been. Just the fact that I had the window open in the drive-through without the mask on, maybe it was that. Who knows? Because there's a lot of bushes around there, a lot of pollen coming off the uh, flowers that are in that area of drive-throughs. That's why I hate kind of you know going through drive-throughs sometimes where they have that that time of year. So I have to like keep my window up or wear my mask or something. You sound you sounded mad angry about the bushes. There's a lot of bushes yeah, around there. Yeah, it's just like when they affect me like this, you know, like and I like I don't know what to think. You know, it's like, oh man, am I coming down with something? I kept taking my temperature the whole day. Luckily, no fever. But uh, yeah, it's just like I don't I don't like not feeling normal. I get angry. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I think most people do, especially if it was like yeah. something silly like that. It was just. Yeah, Your maybe skip my DDP up. yoga today. I was supposed to do DDP yoga my day number two, and I, oh, I skipped it just because I wasn't sure what to expect. But DDPY though, right? Not DDP yoga. Yeah. DDP Y, I think. Oh, sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> maybe the weather change will mess you up. I don't know. It's super like it's not steaming hot here in Philly like it usually uh, is in yeah. August. It's only like the high was like eighty something the last couple yeah, days. Not, so not as humid, so that's good. Right. I've been wearing jeans to training camp, which is a <laughs> Uh, uh, first, usually it's shorts only, <laughs> like, yeah. and maybe a long sleeve like dry fish shirt to protect my skin because my my sensitive skin can get sunburnt again like it did in Mexico this year, which was not fun. Um, but I'm wearing jeans all of a sudden because it's like 60, 70 degrees in the morning. So, you know, maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. I don't know just, I'm just annoyed by it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, but. You managed to watch SummerSlam 1991, right? I did, and uh, it was very, uh, you know, I remember, I think I mentioned on the podcast, I first watched this at my babysitter's house. I was a kid, and me and my sister went with my parents, and my babysitter, her whole family was like wrestling fans, so they were all there. And we would just kind of look at each other when Bret Hart were like, win, spoiler alert. And we'd be like, I mean, can we can we set up a chair? Like, is it, is, or can we do that here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and my sister would do it and join in with everyone. But I was I was always a shy guy. So I would just kind of sit there and take it all in and be like, yay, Bret won. You know, like stuff like that. So brought back a lot of memories of that night. 
and that time frame. And I always love diving deep into early '90s stuff. You know, we did the we did SummerSlam '90 last year. It was my first live event, pretty much, as a wrestling fan. So diving deep into this, uh, you know, I totally forgot about the the commentating shenanigans and my I God. have a lot there, of that. They were a plenty to, during to the play. show. So uh, that kind of made it for me this time around. You know, it wasn't so much the matches or the storylines going into it. It was uh, the commentary that yeah. did it for me. I had multiple laugh out loud moments watching this show <laughs> because of Bobby the Brain Heen and Roddy Piper and Grilla Monsoon. Also because of Lord Alfred Hayes. We will talk about that <laughs> in a little bit. But uh, yeah, we got to dive into some early 90s WCW, too. We haven't really dove yeah, into that, we've dove into like mid-90s, you know, NWO era stuff. But like the early 90s stuff, when it's got like Flying Brian and, uh, you know, Tom Zink, like we talked about last, oh, yeah, yeah. a couple days ago, I should say, with Ian Riccoboni. Uh, and those those guys, Stunning Steve Austin, even. Uh, we got to get into some early 90s WCW, too. There's some good stuff happening in the early 90s in WCW that wasn't, it wasn't popping, but there was some good stuff happening here and there, you know. Yeah, they would. That Maybe. would be my first time watching those shows, so because I wasn't. Yeah, we got to do that. I wasn't an early WCW guy, so. And again, if you if you have something specific you want us to watch from that time, hit us up on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/UdisRadio. We'll even let you have a cameo on the show to give your thoughts on that specific piece of content that we're diving into uh, on that episode. So we've done that multiple times. That's a little extra incentive. For you to head on over there and, you know. Yeah, you just send us the us file. Request. Like, record yourself. Send us the file. We're going to plug it into the podcast. Damn straight. We got you. You know. We're, we're men of our word. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, we got to dive into SummerSlam 91. You ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. SummerSlam 1991 with Vince McMahon just yelling his way through the intro (laughs) yet again. And again, we wonder why Vince's voice sounds so awful in 2021, 30 years later. Obviously, your voice might take a little bit of a hit as you get older. But he sounds nothing like he did back back then. Because he was going, SummerSlam! (laughs) Nuptial Santa Napa! Take it easy. That was great. Take I it easy. That. I enjoyed that. Vinnie Mac. Take it easy. But SummerSlam 1991 took place August 26, 1991. It emanated from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Of course, that's known as the world's most famous arena. It is 
home turf. It's like home court, home ice, so to speak, home field for the WWF. Uh, it's funny that you know a lot of reports lately have come out that they've been kind of struggling to sell tickets at Madison Square Garden for the upcoming show. But traditionally, yeah. Madison Square Garden that's WWE territory, uh, and very few, if you know, very few promotions have run Madison Square Garden. Uh, very few wrestling promotions outside of WWE have run Madison Square Garden. That's why, you know, when Ring of Honor was a couple of years ago, it was like, whoa, like, yeah. How did they get into the garden? That's WWE spot, but they did it, and it was a big deal. And it still would be a big deal. If AEW somehow got into MSG, hey, that's a big deal. It's not a, it's not cheap to run MSG. That's the reason why WWE doesn't do TV there. Uh, but still, it's a big deal to be in Madison Square Garden. Of course, Madison Square Garden is also the site of the most recent versus battle that took place uh, last night as we record this. We're recording this Wednesday, August 4th. The Locks versus Dipset happened Tuesday, August 3rd in the theater of Madison Square Garden. And what a wild time it was. <laughs> I even tweeted out. I was trying to watch SummerSlam, you know, and I want to stand up pretty late because of this battle. But I was trying to watch SummerSlam. And I just so happened to kind of check in on this versus battle to see what was happening. And what a scene it was. My God. They were in the middle of the of the theater on a circular stage. And it, the dip set and the locks is next to each other. And they roasting each other. Then you got like 20 people on the stage. And you try to kick people off the stage. Get off the stage. And nobody's moving. They're just standing still. And then Jada Kiss just goes off. I mean, he just went off. And they started rapping his ass off. And nobody had an answer for him. <laughs> like he just went out there and dropped a hundred on the on the on dipset on the diplomats. And that was it. There's nothing that nobody could do with Jadakiss. I mean, the locks won in general. It's a team effort. But boy oh boy, the Jadakiss is like, we're not losing this battle. <laughs> like, I don't give a damn. What happens? We not gonna lose. And they didn't. The locks won handily, I I would I would say. Uh, they had a game plan. They executed it to perfection. I applaud the locks taking that versus battle at Madison Square Garden in a decisive victory. It was decisive, all, I say, all over Twitter. Uh, and I have a question because I, I've you know dabbled into it you know here and there, but does that happen every week? Is it like a weekly thing, a, no. a monthly thing, or just kind of like whatever? It's kind of like yeah, I guess it's kind of like when they can you know schedules can match up. So like. It's really started like on Instagram, right? It's like yeah, it's always on Instagram goes, Live. Yeah. I think I think uh, the website I think it's called Triller. They might have, okay. yeah. they might stream it as well. But now it's gotten big because you see, yeah. like I said last night, it was at Madison Square Garden with HD cameras and different camera shots. I guess, I'm assuming they sold yeah, tickets. I would, they got I would have been surprised if it wasn't trending number one. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I saw. I'm sure it was. Um, but you know, it started out. I think there's a couple of things that happened before the pandemic, like with Swiss Beats and Timberland, mm-hmm. but it really took off during the pandemic, like yeah. early pandemic times when we had nothing, you know, yeah. literally had no form of entertainment. And they came on Instagram live when it put people against each other and play songs. And again, this is pandemic. So just people in their houses playing music off a computer or off their phone or whatever. And that was like, that's all we had. So we were like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> and then they started putting like legends against each other. Like, Teddy Riley and Babyface against each other, which was like it's classic, and it was a obviously these are great social media moments as well. Plenty of memes come out of yeah. the versus battles, 
but obviously it's grown over time and they get different matchups and all these legends come together and big names and it's it's, it's crazy last night was a moment though that was it was a lot <laughs> with them both uh dip, the diplomats and and the locks on the stage together in front of people too i don't know how many times they've done this in front of people um because we haven't had the chance to because it's a pandemic uh because i remember like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Ron, the, the Osley Brothers was in, just in a big room, big like auditorium by themselves, pretty much, mm-hmm. with a DJ. But this is in front of people. It was in New York, two New York groups. Energy was crazy. I'm not, you know, we're not New Yorkers, but the energy was wild. It was, it was a lot uh, going on there. Oh, it's live, pal. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was <laughs> a lot going on on that stage. Freaky Zeke just doing whatever. I don't know what he was doing most of the time. Uh, but Jadakiss, boy, did he put out a performance. It was like pretty much the graphic, like like a crazy stat graphic from like basketball games. He had like 60 points, 30 rebounds, <laughs> 10 steals, 7 blocks. Like it was, and it was, I guess, again, team effort. Like the locks had a game plan, executed it to perfection. Like they had counters. <laughs> like they knew Dipset's going to come with Dipset Anthem. Okay, we're going to come with this. They knew this was going to come with Welcome to New York City. Well, we're going to come with this. Like it's... It was it was crazy. It was it was theater, live theater playing out before our eyes. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then I had to watch SummerSlam after that, and I was like, damn it! <laughs> like, it's it's super late. I get up early. Practice starts at ten a.m. It's mm. it's too much. It's too much, but I, it, it was worth it. It I was bet. worth it. And there was some pretty good theater at SummerSlam as well. So this was yes. this is probably the most uh, you know non wrestling centric event that I saw in that era because you had the wedding then you had the jailhouse match with the Mountie going to jail you had you had so many things backstage like you know Heenan going to Hogan's locker room then Okerlund and Savage's locker room like so many different things that I just wasn't used to you know just I don't remember watching it live back then thinking that but you know thinking it watching it for this podcast I was just kind of like wow this is really like the first real event that I saw that was more about the story in certain storylines and angles than it was about the in-ring aspect. Yes, SummerSlam 91, 20,000 people in attendance, according to good old Wikipedia, which is, again, <laughs> has never let us down. Never. Uh, not once. Uh, to this and day. This was, this was uh, season four of SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> according to Peacock, yeah. You know those seasons of SummerSlam? Uh, episode one. <laughs> uh, episode one. Um, according, I, I try to look up the pay per view buy rates. I'm trying, I'm trying to incorporate that more into the deep dives now, but yeah. I couldn't really find anything super concrete other than Wrestle Talk. You know, the website Wrestle Talk they said the show garnered a little more than 500,000 pay per view buys. Hmm. So that's according to them. Not saying that's official uh, word there. That's the best I could find uh, in a quick Google search. Uh, but what I could find, or what I didn't know about, and you hear throughout the show was the tagline for the show. Yeah. One of the great taglines of all time. And I'm not sure if we mentioned this in our tagline show from like, man, way back now, from <laughs> last year. Um, we did the, the best taglines and we did the like, best taglines, best wrestling posters, like back to back week, pay per view posters, I should say. Yeah, this was like before our deep dive era. Yeah. So we did the tagline show and I don't know if this one was mentioned. It should have been, though. I don't know what we were thinking if we didn't mention it. Uh, but a match made in heaven, a match made in hell. One of the great taglines in wrestling history. Of course, the match made in heaven is in reference to the wedding, which was the main event 
of the show. I repeat, a wedding was a main event of a wrestling show, and no one batted an eye <laughs> in 1991. Nobody. Nope. I'm sure people would be pissed off if that happened in 2021. This is a wrestling show. Why is a wedding? Blah, blah, blah. And rightfully so. I wouldn't blame people for being upset about that. But in 91, Macho Man and Elizabeth getting married was a pretty big deal. Like, that was like, that was, well, that was more important than the match made in hell, which was in reference to the, I guess, the wrestling main event, which was Hulk Hogan teaming up with the Ultimate Warrior to go up against General Adnan, Colonel Mustafa, and Sergeant Slaughter. Who are known as apparently the Triangle of Terror, which I did not know that until I watched the show back again. Yeah, I don't know if they. Uh, yeah, I remember that from recent times. I don't remember, you know, when I was watching back then if they were always called that on TV leading up to this, but they were called that on the pay per view. So, but it is. I mean, it was all right. Like it, it's kind of interesting. Like. <laughs> It's like, wow, would you put terror in there now? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, wow, I didn't even think about that, but you're no. right. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. In hindsight, that's rough. Yeah, I, even th- I, I honestly didn't even think about that until you just said something. Yeah. Not a great look. No. Trying at all. Terror. And literally mm. no mention of the Iron Sheik, but at the same time, you had Roddy Piper mentioned in the main event, the wrestling main event. When he put the camel clutch on Hogan, he's like, I remember this back from 83. And I think Vince was yeah. probably in his headset. You know, like, shut up, Roddy. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is the Iron Sheik? <laughs> God damn it. God damn it, pal. He's, <laughs> what was he? Colonel Mustafa now. <laughs> he didn't, didn't exist in 83. What are you talking yeah. about? Who? Iron who? Who's that? Which, you know, that definitely picked up my, my, uh, you know, ears when I heard that, I was like, wait, I rewound it. And I was like, oh, wow, he did say that. So, because I remember, you know, literally no mention of the Iron Sheik for Colonel Mustafa. So, which is dumb. I was like, that guy looks familiar. We all know it's him. He, <laughs> he did like his, we can see his face. It's you, Iron Sheik, Sheiky baby. We know it's you. <laughs> Listen, Randy Savage was there in his dressing oh, room and he was oh, watching man. this match while he was getting ready for his wedding. And he was making phone at, calls. He was looking at Colonel Mustafa. Was like, hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I recognize that face anywhere. And listen, I told you this before. Eh? <laughs> we we have a perfect paranoid macho man in oh this God. show. Yes, in for sure. So it it I I literally watched it like three times just because I got couldn't stop laughing <laughs> like it took me a while to get through this show just because i rewound a lot it's yeah it's, it's a lot of things to <laughs> point out in this show uh because so much is happening it's so many little stupid silly things that happen in this show show yes uh speaking of kind of paranoid i don't know if this maybe it's not the right word but maybe controversial at least a lot of controversy in this show because of one ultimate warrior which again mm-hmm. we will talk about a little bit later when the time comes. Uh, but yeah, a lot of stuff is happening at this show. Between Ultimate Warrior, a wedding, uh, Triangle Terror, uh, the, the jailhouse match, Bret Hart winning his first Intercontinental Championship, Madison Square Garden, you know, is there. It's just... And almost all the babyfaces won. Yeah. On this show. And it was kind of like... And I, I guess we talk about it more later as well, but it's kind of felt like... 
there was a shift in some of the characters in this show. Like, some of the big monstrous giants had, were beginning to kind of fade to the background. Or at least the, the heels from the 80s. And then, upcoming was guys like Ric Flair and The Undertaker. Yeah, There was some fresher faces going to get cycled in. And you got Bret Hart being positioned in the spot he was positioned in. Shawn Michaels would eventually split off from Marty Jannetty. There's, there's some things... I don't know if he had already split off by this point. I don't remember exactly when that happened. Um, no, but not, not by this point. Not by this point. Yeah. But there's a lot of things, little things going on. That's there's a slight shift. You know, Sid Justice is here. You know, he's a yeah. newer face. So yeah, I don't know if he had matches before this. This might have been his first TV appearance uh, or pay per view appearance, definitely. So he he but, was a new guy, and I remember. You know, in that era of being a fan, like I had these old school WCW cards and figures, but I never really watched it on TV. But I knew Sid from WCW, so I was like, "What?" They, you know, it kind of made me think. And then when Ric Flair went over, it's like, "Oh, WWF is the place to be," and that's why my fandom was so pro WWF when I was growing up because it was like during a time everybody from WCW went there, even if it was just for a year. Uh, you know that. And this was a big part of it, Sid being in the main event and then Bobby Heenan talking about Ric Flair already on TV before he, you know, technically debuted. So there was a lot going on for me as a fan. I was kind of like, wow, who are these guys? You know, I was so used to Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior, Sergeant Slaughter, Randy Savage. But then you throw in these other top guys from elsewhere that I didn't even know about. But they just look larger than life. You know, Sid was bigger than Hogan. So, of course, I was going to take him seriously as, as like, a important guy and stuff like that. So, yeah. 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 We'll move on to, of course, like I said earlier, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, and Roddy Piper are on the call. And our opening match is the Dragon. <laughs> Not Ricky Steamboat. Nope. Just the Dragon. Yep. But it was Ricky Steamboat. Randy Savage. He looks familiar. Right. He doesn't actually look like a real dragon. Where's the fire? Oh, there it is. There's a fire. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he's wearing a costume. I see the little thing on his middle finger. Right. But Ricky Steamboat is in a six-man tag. He's teaming with Texas Tornado and the British Bulldog. And they're going up against the Warlord and Power and Glory, who are managed by Slick. Already in the ring. Already, they got the jobber entrance, which is wild. <laughs> Opening match on the show, you get the jobber entrance. Kind of wild. Uh, and it wasn't like Warlord and Power and Glory were like some schlubs. So no, like, right. They weren't jobbers. They, no. were, they, were, they were guys, but I don't know. Uh, Steamboat's entrance is pretty cool, yeah. despite the fact that it was Vince McMahon putting him in a dragon costume, which is like, <laughs> Vince, you don't have to take this dragon stuff so literal. Like, that's just his nickname. He doesn't actually have to be... A guy in a dragon costume and he shoots fire out of his mouth. Like, even though it was kind of dope to see, I'm not gonna lie, but that's what, that's, that's what that's, he say. He's like, was it dope? It was, <laughs> honestly. But it's also Ricky Steamboat. He doesn't need that. He's Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> He's former World Heavyweight Champion in WCW, NWA, former Intercontinental Champion. He, when he was just wearing the gi, he was the man. He was still dope. It wasn't like people was like, oh, Ricky Steamboat, who's that guy? Like, nobody cares about him. No, he was the man. It's been like, he's a, he's a pushover. I, I guess it was. It was like Steamboat, like, I guess 
I guess he just wasn't as charismatic enough for Vince. I don't know. He just needed to put something extra on him. Yeah. I felt like he was plenty charismatic. He was drawing money in the South with NWA, so... Man, can you I, imagine I if he stuck around and was in the 92 Rumble? That would have been even... That would have been crazy. That would have been crazy. Him and Flair, like, in the Rumble? Man, oh, my God. That would have been great. I mean, I, yeah, it, it wouldn't have obviously been, like, their stuff in 89... But no, nah, but it, like you, you have Piper and Flair in there, so you know you, if you were a wrestling fan, you understood the history because those two had history before Flair went to WWF. So it would have been really cool to see that. You know, I mean, obviously watching it live, I would I wouldn't have known as a fan like that young that they had a history until I was much older. But man, looking back, if he just stuck it out a few more months, whew, that would have been an awesome moment. <laughs> yeah, it would have been to interesting. See those two in the Rumble. It would have been interesting because. I- you know, it would have been dope, but, like, okay, let's say they face each other at some point in WWF. Would it have been what it would have, what it was in, no, in no, NWA? Not at all. Not at all. It probably would have been a house show or something. Cause I but even, Pi- like, the Piper match, just, just the match MSG. itself, like, no, just the content of the match, would it have matched what we saw in 89 from them in a trilogy? Uh, I mean, I mean, I don't know, because... Uh, WWF was a different style... Steamboat's back injury happened in what ninety four, so I mean it's possible if it was a house show, or if it was I mean, one of those. I'm not saying uh, he wasn't capable. I'm just saying would WWF would that happen in WWF? Like WWF is I a little different. So, because from Crockett. I, I mean, was it at that point? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's tough to tell There's because I I I haven't watched enough of those guys that came over from where they came over from. Like I I haven't watched enough. Kerry Von Erich and WCCW. I, I haven't watched enough Ricky Steamboat and NWA. Like, I'll admit that to, to kind of have an opinion that is credible enough to, to really kind of answer that. But, um, I mean, it's a good question. But at this point, I, I, would, I don't know why they wouldn't have had a great no. match that they were having their WCW or NWA. They were having 60. 60- they were having 60-minute matches in WCW. I don't think that would have happened in WWF. They didn't not have 60-minute matches. Not on TV. Not on TV, no. but not on pay-per-view. I don't think no. that would have happened in WWF. No. So no, I don't think they would have ever done that, though. I think it would, no, it would have just been they like didn't. they did with Piper. I mean, they had some TV feud with Flair and Piper, but they they had matches at like MSG and for their, like... Uh, where it was like a glorified house show where it would be shown on like the MSG network, but like nowhere else or, you know, with it in Philly when they were showing on prison sometimes, you know, I didn't, I didn't watch those cause I, I don't think my family really knew they were on prison. Uh, when I was in like the nineties and 91, I would have probably taped them, but I don't remember watching those shows, but I'm thinking like maybe those shows you would have had like a steamboat flare. I don't know about 60 minutes, but probably, I would say they could hit a four-star match out of five at that point. They were certainly capable. I just didn't know if they would have gotten a platform to do such a thing in WWF where they were given that platform on a nightly basis in, well, yeah, in Jim Crockett promotions. Once you don't get Hogan Flair at WrestleMania, then you can't you really have to question everything. Yeah, yeah, this, which is still mind-boggling to this day. Yeah. And they were pretty much on this show kind of teasing that that's going to happen down the road, but that's neither yeah. here nor there. Yeah. Uh, once uh, Texas Tornado Caravan Eric makes his entrance, Piper said, Tornado was Texas-born, Texas-bred, and he'll be 
Texas Dead? Is that what he said? Oh my god, I missed that one. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure he oh said that. Oh my god. Which, in hindsight, is like, yikes! Because, of course, Carrie Von Eric committed suicide in February of 1993 on his family's ranch in Texas. <laughs> Not great. But, you know, oh he didn't know that that was going to happen at the time, obviously, but it's just but in hindsight. Was he just, trying to, was he just trying to rhyme like what the hell i would that assume mean? so like, i would assume so he didn't mean anything by it other than to say something clever but just <laughs> i'm saying in hindsight it's like oh yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah. It, you know it's easy to say that 30 years later obviously right um i don't think enough has been said about davy boy smith and his braids and beads hairstyle. Really? <laughs> I don't think this has been talked about enough. How awesome it is. Just how rare it was, <laughs> or how rare it still is to see a white man, not only with braids, cornrows at the top and like long braids, but then the beads, yeah. the Stevie Wonder beads, yeah. the Venus and Serena Williams beads. Yep. Like when you think about it, outside of like, because we know Davy Boy and, and, we know his wrestling career, so it's like us. It's like that's classic bulldog, right? Yeah. But like, just step outside of that for a second, and realize I described that all that for a white person <laughs> from the UK. You're like, in the late '80s, early '90s, you were like, that's kind of bizarre. But it worked for 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 British bulldog. Yeah, I mean, like I thought it was bizarre seeing him not with that hairstyle, <laughs> like. When he went the first time I saw him in, like he wore him in WCW. So then when he came back to the WWF in '94, you know he just had like the long hair without anything in it, and it was kind of like, wow, this looks stupid. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's weird because you know we've more cognizant today of hairstyles and like braids being a primarily an African American thing, and then white people come along and wear them and like when, when black people have braids it's like oh you know unprofessional and you're not gonna get a job with that hair but then a white person comes along with the same hairstyles like, oh look how stylish they are and yes, yeah. you know wow that's a new hip look it's like mother what we've just been wearing this and not getting jobs for years and all of a sudden it's hip and stylish so i can understand somebody feeling some type of way about davy boy smith rocking braids I, it's it was very unique. It was just a different hairstyle. It wasn't like uh, straight cornrows. I don't know what it was. It was odd. It's not even just the braids. It's also the beads. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It's... That's like, like I said, Stevie Wonder and, his, and the Williams sisters made that popular. Like, they were like their most famous people to wear like the beads, I guess. Maybe, I'm sure there's other people, but like those are the, the people that come to mind, top of mind for me. But like, you should see like, I guess in the 80s, people were, Rick James had the beads. So maybe that's where he got it from too, Rick James. Um, it's you know people did wear that stuff in the seventies and eighties, but like it's just it's just it's like bizarre. <laughs> and uh, he did have he say what in the ninety two Royal Rumble because I'm bizarre. Like you yeah, you're right, British Bulldog, you're right. Because his hair was kind of bizarre, but it's just interesting. I always look at that like we got to talk more about British Bulldogs braids and I mean, the beads. Per- perhaps it was a uh, you know a United Kingdom. Maybe like fad, uh, but I don't. I honestly couldn't people. tell you. Like <laughs> super unique hairstyle for you know a white guy because but, it wasn't even. You know? It was just like from the ears down, really, or like maybe just above it because the no, front was I, just like. I no, I I, I looked at the top of his head. It was it was kind of like braided up, 
It wasn't like a mullet type of like, deal going. Well, it wasn't like from the front of his hairline, at least. Like, from oh, the, maybe not. Yeah. So he just had, he always had a little like, you know, it was almost a mullet type situation going on. But <laughs> yeah, you don't want that. Uh-huh. You know that that was popular, obviously back then. And some people still rocking mullets to this day, which is wild. And I don't think kind um, of my kid had that because uh, they both had short hair when they were tag team. So yeah. Uh, but to finish this match, I mean, the match is a match. It's a you know, good old-fashioned six-man tag, which you really honestly didn't see a whole lot in the early 90s. No. Uh, but we got one in the opening match on this show. Uh, the finish is a little bit wonky, at, I felt. Like, it just everyone kind of, like, seemed, like, kind of unsure what to do. But Steamboat just came off with the crossbody and won. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, Steamboat, by the way, did by yeah. far the most work in the match because... He's by far the best worker in the <laughs> ring, so that makes most sense. You know, let's team both do all the work, and he got the pin, so good for him. And the good guys win. So, opening match at SummerSlam in 1991. Got their paycheck. <laughs> they did. They they earned it. They worked. They all worked. I mean, it's just Steamboat, Steamboat worked yeah. harder than anybody else. <laughs> like, <laughs> they all worked hard, though, you know. Um, moving on from that. We're backstage with Mr. Perfect and Coach, who are being interviewed by Sean Mooney, not Sean Mori, as I made the mistake uh, a couple weeks back. Uh, just Sean Mooney, who's, who's my guy, as you know. Um, you know, we get a good promo from Mr. Perfect saying that, you know, Bret Hart calls himself the excellence of execution. Well, you can't be excellent unless you're perfect. I was like, oh, all right, all right, Kurt Hennig, I see what you're doing there. I like it. A little fresh cut. He had, a, he had a fresh cut? Yeah. I didn't notice. No? No. Oh, wow. Really? I did notice. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know I'm what? Sorry. That's because I watched so much early WWF. I knew like his hair from like 1990 and stuff like that. So, so he cut it shorter it, than usual. He cut it short, and this was his last match until uh, you know Survivor Series 92. So uh, it stuck with me. And it wasn't like the short hair he had at the AWA. Uh, it was a little longer than that. It was just like he it's like he chopped off a few inches. I, I don't know why though. It, it's he looked so much different to me with that hair. I honestly didn't bit, pay so. any attention to his oh, hair. Wow. I looked up Davy Boy Smith's hair the whole time, but I couldn't <laughs> I didn't look at Mr. Perfect's hair at all. It's wild. Interesting. Uh speaking of Mr. Perfect, he was managed by coach, as I said at this point. Uh which is pretty much what Ari Anderson is today. He's ripping off coach. <laughs> Nobody talks about that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody talks about how much, you know, Arn Anderson is ripping off coach from 1990-1991. Instead of the clipboard, though, he's got a laminated sheet of paper yeah. with plays yeah, on it. It still was, cracks me up. I still think that's so funny. He should still hold a clipboard and just clip that in to a clipboard. Like, uh, why not? You don't, you don't see NFL coaches with that? They got the, that laminated sheet of paper. Yeah, it's just like laminate, and that's it. I like a good clipboard. You never know when you're going to have to like write something down. It'll be so much easier with a clipboard. That's true. But it's not that hard to write something down on laminate, laminated yeah, no, but paper. Clipboard's a lot cooler to use. Like you look, you look, If you're holding a clipboard, you look a lot better than just holding a laminated sheet. Well, I mean, you got to tell that to the 32 it's NFL coaches. It's all about coaches. the aesthetics, man. All about the aesthetics. Tell to the 32 like NFL coaches. Like AEW bringing AEW bringing back that logo and on the ring mat. It's all about the aesthetics. That's fair. You gotta get, get the um, you know, all the football coaches on board with that. Tell them, yo, well, give me their emails. Need to get a clipboard. <laughs> 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 uh, 
That's not going to happen. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll put them the subjects. Concerned fan. <laughs> Concerned fan. You know what's funny? You say that, and we actually got somebody, and this was during 2019, uh, so obviously pre-pandemic, but we would get somebody who would fax us like a sheet of paper that would write a letter to Doug Peterson and fax it to, and it would always come to like my department's fax machine. <laughs> and it'd be like, yeah, get, good job. getting the team in line, blah, blah, blah. Like all this stuff, like praising like the team or knocking the team, you know, if we were, weren't playing well, but it was handwritten like in a Sharpie on a, sh- like a real sheet of paper. And it would, this person would fax it over and, Doug Peterson never saw these <laughs> ever. <laughs> like, but that person was hoping and was thinking that Doug's going to see these. He's going to hear from me. All right. He's going to see these uh, faxes. Uh, so, yeah, it's funny that you brought that up. That's that's funny. That's crazy. That is really I funny. Would, you know, what I did long, long time ago was I actually, it, it, my mom had not had a fax machine yet, but I wrote a letter to WCW. Uh, attention, Ric Flair. I wanted like a signed autograph picture back, and they never sent me one. Oh man! So Rick still mm-hmm. owes you. You know he's he's got recently got got his release from WWE. He so he hey has Rick, more I'll time pay you fifty maybe. bucks for. Uh, I'll give you fifty bucks. I'll Venmo you if, if you send me a. There you go. Signed autograph picture. Headshot I mean, actually, here. Rick might not. He might have. He might be more busy now than he was before because he can do whatever he wants. So That's he might true. be hitting That's these true. streets and getting all these commercials, but. He's a free agent now, so uh, he might he might uh he might oblige. And I know, hey, he's a listener of our podcast. I'm sure. So I'm sure of it let's too. Go. Let's go, Rick. DM <laughs> me, Pacone underscore. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Act like Rick runs his own social media. We know damn well <laughs> he does not. I would like Conrad to follow me back. He followed me on my suspended account, but it's like, come on, dude, let's go. Oh man. <laughs> we gotta have have a uh, a wake for your suspended I account, really man. Do, man. Cause it's over with. It's like everyone probably thinks uh, I'm lying or something. It's like, listen, man, I don't have time to lie about this crap. Like, just <laughs> trying to get the followers back, and they're just like not obliging. It's like, man, screw y'all, then. Like, what, what the hell do I give you the time for? It's over with for Nick Nick Pacone. <laughs> we gotta we gotta bury it, man. Give it a proper. Proper ceremony. I'm, I'm sad to say. I hate to break it to you this way, but it's gone. Listen, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I will saying, not. Man. I will not just, quit. I will not <laughs> quit like Bob Backlund at WrestleMania 11. <laughs> <laughs> or like Mr. Perfect in the upcoming match, which oh. is for the WWF. Intercontinental Championship, Mr. Perfect defending against Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett Hart comes out with a pink jacket on, which I thought looked dope. Yes. And I was like, man, you know what? Brett always had dope fits. He always, when he would switch it up a little bit, they always looked dope. Like, Brett always had great gear. And of course, the colors are great pink and black. Great stuff from Brett, as always. Uh, Of course, Stu and Helen Hart are in the crowd. To watch their son uh, potentially become the next intercontinental champion, uh, but this is where Bobby Heenan, who doesn't have the jokes for Stu and Helen like 
Jerry Lawler would have in a couple years where he would just be relentless and ruthless about them. But Bobby Heenan starts going in on Piper. (laughs) (laughs) For being essentially what he really was, was like an orphan at one point. He just went off on his own and was just out here taking on all comers as like a teenager. But (laughs) Heenan said that he heard a rumor that Piper's mom and dad ran away from home. (laughs) (laughs) Which is sad. That's like funny, but it's also kind of sad if that if that's, that that might have happened to some kid out here in the in, in the world. Um, and then he just kept going with these jokes about Piper and his parents. Yeah. You know, they, they, Piper, they went home when you got there, or something like that. It was just Bobby yeah. Heenan was on another he one said, on this night. He said, uh, "You know, he he actually the, the funny part for me was." Or at least the funniest part was Heenan asking Monsoon to like stop having Piper call him boobs or something like that. But you know he doesn't, and Monsoon's like, "Well, you stop." And so Heenan just keeps going in on him. Like that's the funny part because it's like you're right there. Why don't you tell Piper like yourself? But he's like trying to go through Gorilla <laughs> to get to Piper, even though they're like can all hear each other. And uh, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite parts of this. Yeah. It, the- it gets better as the night yes. goes on. Yes. It definitely gets better. Uh, but this match is obviously and easily the best match of the night. Uh, one of the best matches in SummerSlam history. One of the best intercontinental title matches in history. Uh, and it wasn't really wasn't like a complicated or um, just crazy match. It was pretty simple, but a great story. At the same time, I mean, they, they they told a story with little things like the hair pulling. Yeah, you know, early on this match is all about the hair pulling. Both of them, yeah, both of them, and it was just a subtle thing that's like you don't see anymore for whatever reason. And like guys don't have hair anymore; they do. <laughs> uh, it's just they don't use that as a as a tactic, right? You know, as a tool. That if I watch this match and I'm a, I'm a wrestler, the next match I have, I'm using that story. I'm using hair pulling as part of my match. And for whatever reason, I'm sure the wrestlers of today have watched this match. They, they've watched, probably watched it multiple times a year or something like that. But that, I'm using that because that's something you just don't see anymore. And I thought it was, I thought it was just a nice touch, you know, the hair pulling stuff. And then Mr. Perfect selling his ass off yet again. Yep. Flip-flopping and flying all over the place. <laughs> Uh, at one point, he tries to leave. He's like, ah, forget this. I'm out of here. But Brett go, goes to get him, ripped his singlet off yeah, man. <laughs> in the process of getting him back into the ring. He was mad about that. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Like, dog, I just spent money on this, bro. Like, <laughs> you messed up my SummerSlam fit, bro. Good, good thing he was wearing those black ties underneath. <laughs> good thing. Good thing he was. Uh, <laughs> Monsoon at one point says that you know, during the match, at the Hearts, Stu and Helen, they had a concerned look on their face because I think this during the portion of the match where Mr. Perfect really started to take over, get some heat, mm-hmm. and Heenan was like, "Oh, they're concerned. They're looking concerned in their face because they they snuck in, and they're afraid the Usher's going to come and get them. <laughs> <laughs> they snuck in. The Usher's looking for them, bruh. Will you stop? Pretty much. That's pretty much what followed. Like that's probably like." Exactly what Gorilla Monsoon said. Oh man! He said the, they <laughs> snuck in and the ushers looking for him. That's why they look concerned. 
<laughs> well, they caught them on camera before the match, so I mean, the ushers should uh, know exactly where they're at. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but like I said, perfect. It's getting heat on Brett. Did you uh, mm. see the? Uh, you know, there was a spot that reminded me of. I, I think this was the first match that Brett really. I mean, maybe he did it before with the tag matches, but the apron spot where Mr. Yeah. Perfect pushed him off the apron using the ropes and he fell into the railing or was supposed to fall into the railing. Yeah, he fell into the, a cameraman. The top, <laughs> he was in the way. I would assume he was supposed to fall into the railing. But yeah, it reminded me of those you know spots from Survivor Series 93 when Owen hit into him on the apron and then Diesel, Survivor Series 95, he went through the table from the apron and I was... I didn't notice it before. You know, it's something that I noticed this time. Yeah. And and you see Brett going to the cameraman, and you wonder why Vince doesn't want photographers at ringside anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because they can get in the way sometimes. <laughs> and I don't think this guy sold anything. He was just kind of no. like, uh-oh. <laughs> I shouldn't be here right now. I have made a mistake. Please get off me, Mr. Bret Hart. Didn't even okay. sell it. <laughs> didn't even sell it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be out there, you got to learn how to work, photographer. Exactly. You better sell. You think you are Andre the Giant? Come on now. You think you hawking up as a photographer? Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I really liked one thing. We talked about the announcers already, but I think they really did add to the match. And I put that this is a perfect, no pun intended, marriage between the story being told in the ring and the story that's being told by the announcers. They really helped make the match better, in my opinion. Uh, mainly because they called it with such urgency. It just felt like there was so much at stake, and it was. It's the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, at this point, the second most prestigious title in the World Wrestling Federation, it doesn't feel like quite that important anymore. But at this point, it's just such urgency in, like, in their voice, and it felt like such high stakes, and it just added to the match. You could, They were just in tandem almost with the story that's being told in the ring. And they were telling it on the microphone. It just worked out. Yeah. Again, no pun intended. Perfectly, so <laughs> yeah. to speak. Yeah. Uh, speaking of perfect, Bret Hart kicked out of the perfect plex, which according yeah. to Heenan, no one had ever done. Um, so that was a big deal. You know, Actually, obviously uh, this is years before people so. would kick out of finishes left and right. Yeah. So it's a big deal. Pretty sure Texas Tornado kicked out of it at some point. Oh, so. well, there you go. I said, hey, according to Heenan, so no, no, that's it's what I'm his saying. fault. I'm, I'm, if I remember, I'm, I think he yeah. did at least once. But oh. Heenan's wrong. I'm not wrong. <laughs> it's on him. The broadcast journalist. Wrong again. Uh, at one point, Bret Hart punches Coach in the face. <laughs> and Heenan, all he was worried about was that he punched a man with glasses. Wow, on earth! Would you punch a man with glasses? I can't believe he did that. <laughs> punch a man with glasses. Uh, but the finish comes. I thought this finish was brilliant. When uh, I thought it was brilliant. It, uh, that's the, me. The the technical aspect of it, yes. But Earl screwed everything up. All right. Well, let me let me explain it. And that. And I do have the clip. So when you're done explaining it, I'm going to play this clip. Brett so, is so we can see just how quick. The call was. It, oh, yeah. yeah, It was very quick. But Brett is lying down on his back. Uh, Mr. Perfect is beating him up. He has his legs open. He's going to kick him. He's going to leg drop him, actually. Brett catches Mr. Perfect's leg, blocks a leg drop, and then proceeds to lock in the sharpshooter 
you know, he turns Mr. Perfect over, and like you said, Perfect Mr. Perfect quickly gave up, making Bret Hart the winner and the new Intercontinental Champion. But like you said, Hebner screwed this up apparently. I can't hear. What are they chanting? Let's go, Bret. <laughs> Deafening in here. This is around this time where he's doing the leg drop. The broken nose. Good. Yeah. Nice block there, that move. There we go. Oh, he's got that hole half applied on the canvas. He's turning him over. Beautiful counter. The sharpshooter. He's got it. He's got it. Damn it, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> I include Fink's announcement. I love that. I always love him saying Brett Hitman Hart. Gotta love Brett Howard Brett Finkels. Hitman. But yeah, I mean... Gotta love uh, Finkel's call there. Yeah. And I know Hennig's back was in really bad shape, but yeah. man, you didn't even let Brett really lock in the sharpshooter the way we're all accustomed to seeing before we're calling for the bell. And then he finally gets up, like, as Earl rings the bell, it's like, man, I guess he was trying to say perfect, but yeah, at the same time, I was perfect's, like, ah, perfect's perfect's, he's not giving up, like, right then and there. Like, it, with, in terms of the story, like, Brett doesn't even have it locked in. Like, come on. So, well, again, I was a little perfect's... confused, but that's this is the moment where everybody... I was watching this live with uh, started jumping up and down and going nuts. <laughs> so no one cared. <laughs> yeah, not at all. They don't <clears throat> too not the, the marks that we are. Like oh, he tapped out too fast. No, <laughs> they're just happy that Bret Hart won, and that's the end of it. Just, we were invested into the finish. We were invested into the winners and losers, not the one and a half stars. Exactly. <laughs> they, they didn't know anything about the star system. They were just like, Bret win. I'm cool. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I'm glad, but again, yeah, like you said, Mr. Perfect, that's the reason why he was out for over a year. It's because he had some severe back troubles and severe problems with his back, so I guess he didn't, you know, Brett didn't want to lock it in too hard. They didn't want to leave Perfect in the hole too long before he gave up. Just, he's, he's got it locked in, already he gives even, up right away. But done. he, like, barely had it on, that's what I'm saying. Like, he didn't even really get it in well, before. Well, there's no reason to, you don't really want to, if, if, if Mr. Perfect is in that bad of shape, you don't want to risk this is about him. my enjoyment of it damn it oh okay that's fair <laughs> to to and here's the thing mr perfect was bumping around quite a bit he i was. mean he probably could have bumped he around was. even more but he did some some big bumps in this he match did. he did uh so he could still do something but yeah again you don't want to you know strain the back too much in the sharpshooter if you don't have to um after the match Bret Hart rips the singlet off of yeah. Mr. Perfect, which is already kind of in tatters because it got you know, ripped, ripped up early yeah. in the match. But he rips it off Mr. Perfect, puts it over his shoulder, celebrates. Trophy, man. It's a trophy. Yeah. He probably has yeah. that in a frame in his house somewhere. I mean, I would. With all the it's other Mr. title belts. The probably ripped up Mr. That. Perfect gear from SummerSlam 91? That's probably yeah. worth a lot of money. Let's get uh, AJ Francis on the phone <laughs> so he can lowball us on the offer. How about 500 bucks in the ham sandwich? <laughs> uh, Shout out to AJ Francis and, and uh, yeah, and the whole crew at NXT. Um, damn, I forgot their name. He's top dollar, though. I know that. Hit Row. Hit Row. God damn. I can't believe I forgot their name. 
I feel bad about that. I mean, it's tough because I don't watch as much nowadays. I do watch, but, and they had a dope segment a couple weeks ago. I usually uh, watch it on mute. It's during, it's when they were celebrating uh, Swerve's North American title win. I thoroughly enjoyed that. One of the blackest things that's happened on WWE TV and and <laughs> probably ever. And I was like, "Yo, Hit Row is dope." And here I am, weeks later, like, "Damn, what are they called again?" I'm awful. I'm terrible. Point the finger at me. I'm awful. But that doesn't take away the fact that AJ Francis would offer us like two tickets to a house show for <laughs> Mr. Perfect's ripped up. Not, e- not even in Philly, in like no. Dover or something. <laughs> Come on, man. Not even a televised show. Just a live event somewhere <laughs> for Mr. Perfect's ripped up singlet from SummerSlam '91. Uh, but the the best part, not really the best part. The match itself was great. It's a classic. But the funniest part, yeah, and I got <laughs> comes <this>. after the <laughs> match. When Bret Hart goes into the stands to hug his parents, and there's Lord Alfred Hayes waiting to interview Stu and Helen. He's trying desperately to get a word with Stu and Helen, and he finally gets a word with Stu for an interview. Trying so hard. Excuse me, Mr. Hart. Yo! What? And I did not edit this. That was not edited. <laughs> He just immediately, well, let's go back to Groove Gorilla. <laughs> what? Stu was trying to get his thoughts together. Oh, it was wonderful. Yes. Uh, you know, he was going to say there something else. <laughs> and his Lord was like, and there you have it. <laughs> what an emotional moment for the Hart family. <laughs> you heard it there. He said it all. And Stu looked at him like, bro, where is you? What? <laughs> yeah. I will beat your ass right now, bro. In front of these people. I'll put you in the sharpshooter myself. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You don't pull the microphone away from me like that. First of all, you bothering me for my moment with my son. And I, I, I be, I'm nice. All right, I answer your little funky little question. And then you're going to cut me off while I'm thinking about something else to say? Still should have whipped Laura Alfred's Hayes' ass that day. <laughs> you should have pushed him off the platform or whatever the hell he was standing on. The, the look Stu gave <laughs> Alfred was like, but what? I will... Bruh, you better get out of here. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? And then at the end of this, you see Bruce Hart yeah. shoving his way into frame, trying to sit, hug Brett. Sit the hell down, Bruce. Hey, so the second week in a row, <laughs> sit down. Or I guess the second episode in a row, not the second week. <laughs> sit down, Bruce. Ain't nobody come to see you, Otis. Ain't nobody come to see you, Bruce. Sit down. Well, come on, man. It's like enough, man. Enough with you, Bruce. I've had it. Yeah, we're done. We're not watching any more shows with Bruce Hart. <laughs> <laughs> we might, if we do Survivor Series '93, we're gonna light him up because that's his only match oh, I think we'll ever cover. So, oh man, yeah, we gotta, we gotta. L- l- someone requests a Stampede Wrestling show. <laughs> man, we gotta find them. Did they have those on Peacock? I don't know, but uh, I'm pretty sure they had them on the network. We're supposed to have them before the end. For SummerSlam, but we'll see. I don't know. Mm. I only watch a select 
amount of shows on Peacock because I don't want to be disappointed of searching for something that's not there. Oh. Because Peacock. I don't want to be disappointed. It's like just, uh, you know, like the Olympics have a nice little section. Like, you got to do that with WWE. You got you to gotta filter everything, man. You, you have to have a subsection under WWE where it has those things that were on WWE Network. You can't just have a scroll thing where we have to scroll, like, forever. <laughs> like, yeah. Get out of here with that. <sighs> yeah, websites love the forever scroll, and <laughs> there's no bottom. Just keep scrolling. Yeah. And stay on our website for long for a longer period of time. Just keep on scrolling. But um moving on, we got an advertisement for a Hulk Hogan documentary that aired on <laughs> exclusively on pay per view in nineteen ninety one in October of nineteen ninety one with a super clever name. You, you ready for it? Yeah. Hulk Hogan colon a real American story. Whoa. Wow. You know, because he's a real American. That's his theme song. Oh. A real American oh. story. It, it all ties together. I don't know. Is he American, though? Balea? Isn't that like Italian? Didn't he come Italian from Italian-American. Come on. But a real American. No, he's not even Italian-American. Real American. Ah. Like those Patriots you saw on January 6th. <laughs> you know. Sherico's wife was there, apparently. <clears throat> apparently. You know, like those guys. January 6th. Remember that? Those real Americans who all have descendants from other countries? <laughs> or ancestors, I should say, from other countries? Like Poland and Germany and Italy? Yeah. But they're real Americans, baby. They're baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but I guess intermission time, because now we get a series... Like no, not not just intermission time. Not yet, not yet. I've jumped the gun a little bit there. I'm sorry. We go backstage though with Gene Oakland with the Bushwhackers and Andre the Giant, and Andre the Giant is clearly in rough shape, and he's on now this. Guys. If you'll remember, a few months ago when we were, I think we were doing a WrestleMania deep dive, I could have sworn Andre the Giant was on crutches at WrestleMania seven, but uh, he was not, and. This is what I was thinking about. This is in the image in my head of when he was on crutches. Mm. So that's it was the same year, yeah, but it it wasn't WrestleMania seven. It was SummerSlam in ninety one, and I was like, ah, that's where I remember that from. Right. Pretty sad to see like Andre kind of like, yeah, you know, yeah. I guess devolve kind of, you know, regress. You know, yeah. like you said, you see him at WrestleMania. He's he's not on crutches. Now you see him here. He is on crutches, and this yeah, also turned out to be his final. WWE pay-per-view appearance, final. I think I believe it's final TV appearance as well on WWF. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of sad to see. Yeah. It is sad to see. Not kind of. It's really sad to see because we know that he died in what '93, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, January, I believe '93. Yeah. Yeah. So a little more than a year after this, he was he was gone. So uh, it's, it's sad, like I said, it's sad to see that kind of regression. That he had, and because his body was so much in so much pain and just breaking down over the course of time. Um, but a couple years prior, literally, like what when was WrestleMania three in eighty seven? We're yeah. talking four years prior. He's yeah. in the biggest match ever. You know, pretty mm-hmm. much ninety three thousand people, according to WWF, <laughs> was in the Silverdome, and you know, in, in March of eighty seven, four years later, he can barely walk to the ring. I mean. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, and, and sad. Uh, 
you know, they showed the footage of Earthquake taking out his knee, and you could tell, like, he was very careful with him. Uh, you know, he held onto his leg, basically, so he can land okay in the ring when they did that angle on Superstars. But I, I wonder, like, I don't even remember that episode of Superstars, so I don't know if he came out to the ring without anything, and that was their excuse to, because he was eventually going to need crutches, or... Uh, if they had crutches at ringside at that point, but that was like the angle where it was like in real life he needed the crutches, so they're probably gonna you know do that yep. for him. And uh, yeah, that was just, I, I remember that. Uh, I just don't remember like how the shape he was in during that Superstars taping, like if he came out without crutches or not. And, you know, it, yeah, I think they did that. If as they the, did as a way... edit, they probably edited it in a way that you know he didn't have crutches at that point. So I think I think they did it in a way to explain why he had crutches. Yeah, exactly. So so because you can't say, hey, Andre's body's breaking down, folks. Sorry, yeah. like yeah, right. You know. But I, so I, I usually remember those Superstars episodes from when I started watching. I just don't remember, you know. they It was, you know, a promo with him and Jimmy Hart in the middle of the ring. So I wonder if they came back from a commercial break and edited it in a way where we never saw him mm. come out, you know, because Maybe. of that. You know, it probably took him a really long time to get to the ring. And, right. uh It's crazy that it was only a few months after WrestleMania Seven where he looked pretty good walking. Uh, so it was... It was from there, it just kind of went downhill for him. It's a shame seeing yeah. that, but it's, it's very interesting that you know he was in that you know position with the Bushwhackers too. Like the Bushwhackers, right, people, got the Andre Rub, you know. Of all people, the Bushwhackers. Yeah. Which again, for those who don't know, the Bushwhackers before they got to WWF were known as the Sheepherders. Yeah. And they were one of the rules, I guess, before hardcore was even known term and. In wrestling, they were the most har- one of the most hardcore tag teams in the world. I mean, they would have bloody matches all over the place. And then Vince McMahon sees them and believes they're a comedy duo called the Bushwhackers. <laughs> like, that's how you know Vince McMahon is crazy. Because he can see them like, you know what? I can just keep them as they are. No, he says, you're going to be the Bushwhackers and you're going to march to the ring to this weird music and lick people in their faces, which is, I would not recommend in a pandemic nowadays. Um, and yeah, we're going to do things with you. And the wild thing is, is that it worked. <laughs> like, they were over for a little bit and they're still over. People yeah. still know the Bushwhackers. I mean, the Bushwhackers have probably made, I know they've made more money off of this than they ever did the Sheep Herders because <laughs> they've been doing this for 30 years. I mean, and they don't, and they didn't have to spill not one drop of blood to do it. And it's they got wild. they got a you know cameo in Family Matters. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like they, they, were, they were like the heel team because they uh, were over. You know, Luke or Butch hate cops, you know, so they hate cops. <laughs> <laughs> they sort of beat up Carl and Steve real bad. <laughs> but that, that, but that's just how popular they were. They were making cameos in TV <laughs> shows. They were not doing that as sheep herders when they were. <clears throat> spilling blood yeah. from one corner of the earth to the other. Yeah, they wanted to spill blood on family matters. All right. They got paid to do it. Paid handsomely, I'm sure, on national television. Gotta TGIF, baby. Got to watch that episode again. <laughs> I got to watch Family Matters again. I don't know. Where is Family Matters yeah. at? Like, Is it's that a streaming Hulu. somewhere? It's on Hulu, yeah. It's on Hulu? Okay, is, I didn't yeah. know that. I remember a couple of years ago, they had, they had like added all the TGIF shows. That was when Boy Meets World was added, too, before it... Uh, expired and then went to disney plus so 
Oh. I was all into the TGIF. I gotta think about it. I'm surprised sure. Family Matters isn't on t- Disney Plus because it's on the ABC and yeah. ABC is owned by Disney. The funny thing is, uh, and we'll see this, you know, it confuses me too, but Family Matters went to CBS, you know, at the end of their final season. So I don't know oh. if ABC technically owns them anymore. Or that might be. Okay, I forgot about that. But, I forgot that Family Matters went to CBS at the yeah. end. And Golden uh, Girls. Which, by the way, I started watching because that's a freaking hilarious show. What show is this? Golden Girls. Oh, Golden Girls <laughs> they, is great. Yeah. They, I don't remember. I think they were originally on NBC. So ABC actually bought the rights to that. So when you go and watch it on Hulu, the ABC, you know, little uh, intro pops up. And I was like, wait, it was never on oh. ABC, but ABC now owns the rights to that show. So we, we see that a lot uh, nowadays, with, especially the stuff on Hulu where. It's not really owned by the station that it actually aired on, right? So interesting. interesting I, yeah. I I just learned something new. I forgot that Family Matters was on CBS. I don't recall that actually. I should say it was, it was always uh, on ABC. I, for me. I, I remember. I was like a diehard fan, man. I was watching yeah. every week, every Friday, even if it was a rerun. I was like, I, I mean, I didn't know it was a rerun until it aired because. I mean, I didn't really look at the TV stuff, and we didn't have yeah, we guys didn't have, like we do now. Right now, we didn't have guys um, on the TV. We had the TV guy thing, like the the book, right? The physical copy. Yeah, but my mom would never order it because it was so expensive. So we would have to wait right. for the paper and stuff. So, um, right, it it was uh, you know part of a CBS block party. They they labeled it, it was like their version of TGIF. They had like a two hour ah. block or something, and step by step wound up going over to CBS as well. Their final season, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I was a big fan of those two shows, so I went right over to CBS with them. And, uh, you know, Boy Meets World was still on ABC, so I was going back and forth, man. It was great. <laughs> what a time. It what was. a time. Uh, back Friday to nights were lit. <laughs> they were. This is wild to think about. Like, I don't think most people think of Friday night as like a great TV night, especially for like sitcoms yeah. and a block of sitcoms. But it worked for, for ABC for some reason in the 90s. Yeah. Where like, you think about like, the only thing on Friday night that people know about is SmackDown. That's probably all across television. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not just like in wrestling. That's like there's not people don't put their best shows on Friday nights. But here you are, like you said, maybe because you know maybe it's a good family night. And that's all family oriented TV. So this is before Netflix. This is before streaming services where you yeah. can, you know, my daughter she doesn't really watch regular TV. She watches streaming stuff. So mm-hmm. instead of us watching ABC on a Friday night. We might watch. We're gonna watch SmackDown, but like, if we weren't watching SmackDown, we'd be watching something on Disney Plus or on Netflix yeah. or whatever. Yep. So back in the day, all you had was you know, the TV channel. So I guess that's why it worked. Well, nowadays it's, it's just different. It's funny how things change in that way. And um, I didn't even, uh, you know, I, I didn't know the TV industry. I didn't know seasons. I didn't know stuff like that. So whenever they would say season premiere, I'm just like, okay, I don't know what that means. I guess a new, <laughs> cool. new, a new episode, cool, and then new episodes. But like, I was fine watching reruns because they were entertaining right. to me. I liked watching stuff that I already watched because I kind of know what happens and I kind of pick up things that I didn't see the first time. So I always enjoyed that. So yeah, re- like reruns were fine to me, and I was always kind of like, okay, like everything seemed to stay in their natural block but now there's so many different shows that even show up on cable that you know like it's not 
their natural block. It's not just reruns in their time slot. It's like a different show, and then you're <laughs> you're on a different night and stuff like that. So, yeah, growing up was such a different time, and it's kind of crazy to look back at that. It is. I mean, here we are at 91 at SummerSlam. That's 30 years ago now, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 30, crazy, 30, 3-0. Crazy. 3 I was five years old, and my babysitter's watching this live, and I still remember parts of it. It's crazy. But speaking of comedy, Bushwhackers, that's what they all were. They were just all comedy <laughs> yeah. in this match. I mean, they were biting guys. They were doing the gimmicks. By the way, the Bushwhackers, they're going up against the Natural Disasters, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, being one of the dopest tag team names in wrestling history. And I still find it hilarious that, that, that uh, av- there was Earthquake and Typhoon couldn't be Earthquake and Typhoon in WCW. Uh, they were Avalanche and uh, oh man, what were they in WCW? Shockmaster, man. No, I knew they were Shockmaster. <laughs> but I'm saying, weren't they trying to? Remember we talked about it. Like they had to, somebody had to change their name because it's a natural disaster. It's too close to earthquake or something like that. Oh, Avalanche, yeah. He had to become the shark. And the oh yeah yeah he was the shark and then it was just John Tenta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just use your real name so we can not get sued. Um, but yeah, I, I still find that funny. It can't be a natural disaster. Oh, like Avalanche, like because when he made his debut, Halloween Havoc '94, when Earthquake made his debut in WCW, Tony Schiavone's like, it sounds like an avalanche coming to the ring. Like, oh, man, he was so, that's so lame. That was so that was WWF level bad. Oh that, my god! Come on, man. It really was because when you look at you watching this show. They would always shoot his feet when he would walk, when he would bounce around <laughs> and stuff like that. And there's earthquake shaking in here. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. He's a big guy, but he's not that big. Uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Bushwhackers lose to the natural disasters. In the middle of the match, though, uh, Bobby Heenan hears that Hulk Hogan is in his dressing room, and he immediately gets up and leaves a broadcast position to confront Hulk Hogan for some reason. So that's a thing. Uh, the natural, the natural disaster tried to beat up Andre the Giant, but the Legion of Doom come down with the shoulder pads and the spikes, yeah. and defend Andre the Giant. So, it's like, they even though the bad guys won, they they, have, they couldn't get over for too long. They have to wear the spikes like you're gonna hurt someone in that small aisle, man. Come on, it's badass, man. You gotta wear the spikes. <laughs> you gotta. Still one of the dopest wrestling toys of all time. It's yeah. the phone hey, and pads had, with the spikes. I had them. I have a picture. It's dope. Yeah. That's a very, very clever toy. Uh, so whoever came up with that, it seems like an easy one. Yeah. Uh, but it's still dope, though, for a little kid to have to, that, the shoulder pads and the spikes. Oh, yeah. I even have uh, the wrist pads. That was great. Right. You got to have the whole thing. The yeah. only thing you didn't have was the face paint and the haircut. <laughs> which I don't I, know. No, you, I had the face paint. Yep. Oh, but did your mom cut your hair like that, no, though? No, <laughs> no, or did your mom no, let no, you get your haircut like that? No, not yeah. the hair. <laughs> You know, walking around here looking like I that. I wanted to. I was like, just for Halloween, you know, like, uh, do uh-huh. the hair. Come on, please. Not letting you walk outside like that, <laughs> right, nope. looking stupid. You, you could be Road Warrior you are Nick. You not going to school like that. Sorry. Right, you you could be Road home. Warrior Nick without the hair. Like, you're the one with the hair. That's what, that's what makes you special, okay? <laughs> Road Warrior Nick. <laughs> You'll be fine. Whatever. I would have fit right <laughs> in. Hawk, animal, Nick. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever. Like exactly. There you go. Road Warrior Nick with just just a regular head of hair. 
but we move on. Now we're backstage. Now we're at Hulk Hogan's dressing room, where Heenan stormed off to during the middle of the last match. He knocks on the door with the WCW World Heavyweight title in hand. I don't have all day. I'm a busy man. Right here is the dressing room of the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. And I'm going to embarrass him. I'm going to show you what kind of a man he is. Hogan, open the door. I'm a busy man. Wait till you see this. <clears throat> On behalf of the real world's champion, Ric Flair, I would like to challenge you, Hogan, at any time, any place. Who do you think <laughs> you're embarrassing? You hear me? You wouldn't do that if Ric Flair was standing here. You hear me? You hear me? Turn that camera off. Turn that damn thing off. <laughs> love it. That's not the first dollar he's had slammed in his face. That's why he ain't married. The brain Piper. Letting him have it. Uh, my favorite part is like, who do you think you're embarrassing? Like, because he's um, clearly embarrassed. Like he, he's he doesn't go like, what do you think you're doing or anything. He's like, who do you think you're embarrassing? Like, to make us know that he was embarrassed. Too well, funny. Of course. Too funny. That just reminded me of the first scene in Friday, uh, the movie, when a Jehovah's Witness go to you know Ice Cube's house and they're like. Are you ready to see your Lord and Savior or something like that? Because if you're not, and then bam, slams the door right in their face. <laughs> and they go, well, F you too then. <laughs> Classic scene from Friday, which I, I, I'm sure you've seen, right, Nick? No, I probably Right, have, Nick? I probably have at some point. You no, seen it, you've seen it, remember. right? I have. Uh, right? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe? No, that ain't good enough. That's I not will. acceptable. I will, maybe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Not all the way through. I like, I, I, oh, what? what? I have Man. ADD. I can't watch a movie all the way through nowadays. Good Lord. You gotta go to the doctor about that. This, <laughs> like, this happened maybe like 15 years ago when I could really like watch a movie all the way through just hanging out. But now with the advent of like cell phones and social media, I just can't. I don't know. Always trying to make a meme. It's a, it's a sickness. It really is, actually. <laughs> it's a sickness. Yeah. yeah. Hey, create some good content on social media and all that. Right, man. Hey, I'm Moving outnumbered. On. I'm outnumbered oh. out here. What do you mean outnumbered, puke face? You piece <laughs> of human garbage. Damn. <laughs> Damn, Sarge, come on. We took right. a picture together. Come on. Right. Show did. Back in, what was that, 2015? Probably, yeah. Six years ago. 20? Damn. <laughs> 2015 when the Army yeah. Navy game. Yep. And Phil and WWE was here for a, a Raw. That was what it was. That Raw that Roman Reigns yeah, won the title. Yeah. And then they, that's when they announced that the Royal Rumble was going to be here, I believe. And no, that couldn't have been that because we had the Royal Rumble in early 2015. So I take that back. But I remember having that house show. That, not the house show. There was a Raw tape. Yeah. It was Raw and yeah, the, Philly. Roman Reigns won the title. Won, yeah. Right, and Sergeant Slaughter was here promoting the show, and it was an Army Navy game here around the same time, so he was there for that. And he went to an Eagles game. I, I, I think I'm talking about oh, this yeah. on the show, yeah. where he put Vinnie Curry in the camel in the uh, in the camel yeah. clutch, not the camel clutch, it's the Cobra clutch, I should say. <laughs> uh, before the game, should have been the camel clutch. Like that. Been quite a photo op. <laughs> was that? Should have been the camel clutch. That would have been quite the photo op. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would have been yeah. I don't I don't know if. Sergeant Slaughter could <laughs> even <laughs> back then could pull that off, but the Cobra. I'm not clutch sure the team will have any curry do that anyway. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm surprised they let the Cobra Clutch happen <laughs> <laughs> uh, right before a game on the field. But 
yeah. So yeah, Sergeant Slaughter calling his names. It was nice. He was nice though. He was dope when I interviewed him back in what was that? Like I said, you interviewed him as well. Took a picture with him. Yes. Back in with yeah. the belt too, with the with WWE the belt. title belt. Yeah. I tried to 20... take it with me and they wouldn't let me. I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> back in 2015. Uh, but moving on from that, we're backstage again with Randy Savage, who was on the phone for some reason. <laughs> talking to somebody we don't know who he's talking to he should be getting wedding ready for his wedding but instead he's on the phone talking to somebody and this person he's talking to he clearly didn't trust this person I mean, it was, was like cla- it's classic suspicious randy savage type of person when I had to. Yeah, I'm uh, a... That's the bottom line there. Wouldn't you be in front of 20,000 people live? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, you're honest about that, but I'm going to tell you something else, yeah. I think I got everything ready. I'm going to be dressed to the max, yeah, to the tens, yeah, because I know... That's for the nines, to the tens. What was that? Uh-huh. Oh, wow, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, you shouldn't uh, talk so directly like that because we haven't known each other that long. What am I going on the honeymoon? Uh-huh. Well, Elizabeth doesn't know, and it's a secret that I'm going to spring on her, and I don't know that you're going to call her up in a second and get Elizabeth's answer or whatever and then feed her the information. All of a sudden, everybody knows a surprise. Yeah. How do you stop a rumor? Bottom line. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was this conversation? That's amazing. Why is he? That was vintage Paranoid Macho Man Ready Savage. Well, you're before a wedding. You're on the, if you're on the phone with somebody, that must be a very important person because it's your wedding day. <laughs> they had a you hotline ain't got time. number. Call Randy Savage before his wedding. They're making money off that. You ain't. Oh, this is the nine hundred. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, a hot, <laughs> I got the hotline nine. number. <laughs> but that, <laughs> that makes it even better because, like, I don't know you. How do I know you're not going to call Liz? Like, how, how are they going <laughs> to call Liz? Does she have a hotline number <laughs> that we don't know about? Like, <laughs> I forgot. Gene did say this nine hundred uh, number. <laughs> You shouldn't talk so directly. I don't know you like that. <laughs> By the way, I, I have that clip, too, with Gene Okerlund in there later on. So it, it's just fantastic, man. What a wild conversation that was. It was. I'm going to spring it on her. And it's going to be a surprise. <laughs> Suspicious Randy Savage. Yeah. You shouldn't talk so directly. <laughs> you shouldn't talk so directly. I don't know. We haven't got to know each other that well. It's true. What the hell? It's true. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it is true. Uh, moving on from that, again, we've got another backstage segment. Yeah. With Sean Mooney, Ted DiBiase, and Sensational Sari. We get a recap of all the crappy things that Ted DiBiase has done to Virgil over the years. And he, the, all the things he made Virgil do before Virgil had enough of that BS and turned on Ted DiBiase who said that Virgil, you know, he's going to be back in, in the gutter, right? After this is all all over. He said, he said there's plenty of gutters here, something like that. <laughs> something stupid like that. And he cackled and walked away and got ready for his million-dollar title defense against Virgil. The super over Virgil. Right. At this point. 91 might have been his best year in, in wrestling. Might have? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, he was, it was a little, he, he, Bruh. When, he, when they brought him in the NWO, he was 
for a couple months he was like not was a what? not a joke. So <laughs> he was still just in the NWO though. I know. Before he became this, a joke though. He was this is way better than that. <laughs> That's I mean, yes. Yes. So. He was a guy. He was cheered. People was into him and then nothing happened, but like he was just a guy in NWO. Vincent, what are you a trash name? <laughs> Even Vincent Savage called him Virgil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in mid '97, where Vincent's been there for like six, seven months. Like, <laughs> I know that face. That ain't Vincent. His name isn't Vincent. That's Virgil. That's what I'm calling him. Move out the way, Virgil. <laughs> oh man. And I, that was not a good Randy Savage. The the, the allergies are kicking Look, my ass. I guess it hurt I my know. throat to pretend yeah. to be Randy Savage. So <laughs> I apologize for not, this is not as delivering good as my ninety-one uh, Rumble, Randy Savage. So. No, not 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 at all. But you know, things happen. You know, but <laughs> I I can't I can't do it for for damn sure. Um. So the match is happening. Obviously, Heenan, by the way, is back at ringside. He's back at the announce position after getting the door slammed in the face. In his face by presumably that's supposed to be Hulk Hogan. Yeah. We didn't see him actually do it, but it is assumed that that was Hulk Hogan. Um, the match happens at one point. Virgil gets the million dollar dream locked on Ted DiBiase, but Sherry comes from behind him and hits yeah, him in the back of the head with her purse. Jailhouse match isn't yet. Come on, what's that? The jailhouse match isn't yet. Oh, not sirens, yet, man. Yeah, somebody <laughs> going to the slammer apparently. Is it Jacques uh, Rougeau? Maybe. <laughs> Still giving the cops a middle finger while getting fingerprinted. I can't believe they saw that. Oh, all right, all right. I don't hear I don't hear the sirens anymore, so we'll get. Yeah, I just had to bring finger. it up because it felt it felt like a nice placement. Sorry, first sorry, middle finger on, sorry on, for on WWF television was not Steve Austin. It was <laughs> Jacques Rougeau. Jacques Rougeau as the Mountie, SummerSlam 1991. But Sherry hits Virgil in the back of the head with a loaded purse, causing disqualification. <laughs> but I believe it was Earl Hebner, right? Who just decided yeah. not to, even though. And Finkel gets on the, on the microphone and is like, even though he has, he's well within his right to disqualify yeah. <laughs> Teddy like, Why don't we have this normally? Like, Finkel's like giving an essay or something. That's great. Right. He is well within his right. <laughs> On everything he loves, he could do it. But he is deciding not to. He is choosing violence. <laughs> and instead, he is going to <laughs> eject Sherry, which is what happened. She got ejected. And continue the match. Because, of course, if there's disqualification, the title couldn't change hands. But for some reason, Earl was like, nah. <laughs> Yeah, he, didn't, have he, didn't, he wanted to see a title change for right. the second time. <laughs> Maybe he had money on this. Hey. He was like, nope, not doing that. It's Earl. <laughs> not on my watch. It's Earl, so I would not put it past him. I mean, he's absolutely not. <laughs> I'm making some money tonight. <laughs> I am not going home broke. I'm paying off that, trying to pay off that marker. No, uh-uh. no, no, no. <laughs> We're going to restart this match right quick. Virgil, go ahead and do your thing, player. <laughs> I need to get, brother, guys, to get paid. And that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. <laughs> we start the match. Uh, well, at, 
one point, DiBiase was beating up Virgil really bad. He hit him like three suplexes and a yeah. power driver yeah. while the referee was knocked down. So Earl was a little worried. You know, he's unconscious. Like, oh, maybe, maybe I won't win this money. <laughs> uh, DiBiase exposed one of the turnbuckles. But my, how the turntables, because Virgil's the one that slams DiBiase's head into the turnbuckles mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. Right? So now they're yeah. both laid out. The fans are going crazy. They're very much into this match. And I didn't know, like, were they just into Virgil or were they that much against DiBiase? Either way, the yeah. fans are going crazy. Virgil crawls over slowly, dramatically crawls over to DiBiase, pins him, one, two, three, ding, 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 and the place erupts for Virgil. They went crazy for Virgil, winning, beating DiBiase, and becoming the million-dollar champion one of the biggest pops of the night, honestly, outside yeah. of like a Hogan warrior and Bret Hart winning the title, the Intercontinental title, Virgil, massive pop when he won. And honestly, probably one of the biggest wins by a black person in the history of WWE up to that point. And it wasn't even really for mm. like a real title belt. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> just a million dollar championship. But like, you didn't see too many black guys get that big of a moment. And WWF and by ninety one, but so shout out to Virgil, I guess he's like the first black guy of the kind of like the modern era that wasn't Bobo Brazil, or I mean I guess you could throw Tony Atlas in there too, who had like a big singles moment as a black person. Maybe I guess Coco Beware, yeah. I don't know, but this well, is a big moment. Th- yeah, when we talk about big moments, uh, Coco Beware wasn't really on my radar at this point, but watching this live, like uh, the the family I was with was so much behind Virgil and. You know, basically they were just saying we hate DiBiase because he treats Virgil like crap because he's black. And I had no idea what that meant. I was five years old. But, you know, they were into it and uh, they were so behind Virgil. And, like, they, that's what they literally said. They're like, we hate DiBiase because he he was a jerk to Virgil because he was black. And I was just like, "It's what's black? Like, I had no idea. So <laughs> I, I basically learned... Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even in kindergarten yet, I don't think. So I hadn't really met other people. I haven't had other friends that I remembered, at least, until I went to school. So, uh, yeah, I kind of learned about it through my babysitter's family. You can't deny Virgil. He had a a good look. He had a good look, too. Like, he could have been an IC champ, probably, if they pushed him, but. They did not. A little further, so. Narrator. Could have got rid of the tassels on his boots, but... (laughs) Hey, he wasn't the only one with tassels back then. No. Randy Savage put plenty of tassels on in the main event of this show. That's true. Or streamers. I don't know what the hell you call that stuff he had on, but he had something on. Uh, Seeing Virgil win the Million Dollar Championship made me think of, like, huh, there has to be, like, a title history behind the Million Dollar Championship that we don't even think about because it's not really, like, a real title... And it's kind of sparingly used. It's been sparingly used over the years. But I looked it up, and there's only been five million-dollar champions. Oh, wow. Uh, Virgil's one. He's the only black one, obviously. Uh, but the other four uh, were, of course, Ted DiBiase on two occasions. Uh, Ted DiBiase Jr., uh, Steve Austin, and, of course, currently, L.A. Knight. So how about that? Oh, wow. Totally how forgot Steve that? Austin was on that list. Oh, yeah. Master baby, the ring. Can't forget about that. Come on now. Just like we're part of the ringmasters at Fox Sports the Gambler. 
That's true. That's, that's the name we came up with. Kind of came up with the name. I mean, I like that name. Yeah, but. <laughs> we kind of came up with that. I'm still. Let me, I mean, let me if you still, think of something better, just let me. Yeah, know. we're still workshopping that. <laughs> <laughs> still workshopping the ringmasters thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll put some more thought into that later. <laughs> but back to SummerSlam 1991. We are backstage again for a promo with Mean Gene and the Mountie, who is with New York City P. Not, I guess NYPD. I almost, I almost said New York City PD. I'm like, what up? What's wrong with me? I don't even sound right. New York City police officers, NYPD, whatever you want to call them. Uh, he's there, and we get a video of. Uh, the Mountie hitting Big Boss Man with the cattle prod, and you gotta love the fake electric electricity sound effects. Yeah, on the cattle prod, <laughs> which could not be heard throughout the arena, but you're yeah. hearing it on TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> how? <laughs> how is that possible? You go to a house show and your Mountie's doing that. You're like, well, how can I? Why can I not hear this from the upper deck? Like, what the right. hell? Well, I can hear it on TV loud and clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? So. You know, breaking kayfabe here, the Mountie wasn't actually electrocuting people. Oh. Um, but the Mountie was advocating for police brutality in his promo. He really was. A little foreshadowing here. Right. He's like, don't just treat them like nice like you guys normally do, which is not the case. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> normally. You, you, you call what they did normally nice? Jesus. Um... <laughs> He's like, I want you to drag him and do this and do that. It's like, okay, you're advocating for police brutality. Nice. Um, <laughs> Standing in front of a paddy wagon and stuff like that. This is a wild, yeah. wild scene with two cops behind him. There's a wild, lot going on. Then we get Sean Mooney with Big Boss Man. He cuts a promo. But now we're in the ring. Now it's time for the jailhouse match. And, of course, the stipulation is that the loser of this match between Big Boss Man and the Mountie the loser of this match has to spend a night in a New York City jail, which is a fantastic stipulation for these two guys. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else could you do with these two guys? Both law enforcement characters. I mean, the mm. loser has to go to jail. Obviously. Such a good name for a jailhouse match. Oh, yeah. Perfect. What a time. The thing about this, the match wasn't even important. We're not, we're not here for the match. Big boss man wins. <laughs> All right. I am here for this. Yeah, we're not here for the match. Who gives a damn about the match? Walking advertisement for birth control I've ever seen, Hot Rod. Good Lord. (laughs) Good Lord. Yeah, because of course Jimmy Hart was accompanying, uh, he was managing the Mountie at the time. Uh, But Big Boss Man wins, which means the Mountie has got to go to jail, baby. (laughs) Locked down. Send him up. I guess he can go upstate. He just went. Down the road to jail, not <laughs> prison. But <laughs> again, this is all about putting the Mountie in a slammer for a night. And as soon as he loses, the cops come down immediately. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like they ran down there so fast and handcuffed the Mountie and dragged his ass out of the arena. <laughs> Jimmy Hart is beside himself. He's going to call his lawyers and all this stuff. But there's nothing you can do. He lost a jailhouse match. We talked about that. We talked about <laughs> oh, during the Canadian Stampede, like. Undertaker's being accused of murder. How do we litigate this <laughs> with a match? <laughs> how do we litigate the Mountie? Well, he, how did he get here? What did he do? He lost a wrestling match. Oh wow! Well, I guess he deserved it. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess so. Book him. Weird stuff. Weird stuff. 
But the one thing I found funny is when they drag him back through like the gorilla position, you just see Steamboat standing there and playing clothes, looking like very weirdly calm about the situation. Like somebody isn't getting hauled out to jail right now before your eyes. He's just kind of standing there looking stoic. Like he probably has bad blood with the Mountie. So. Maybe, or he's just like, "What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> What's going on in this show?" <laughs> I was getting hauled off to jail. Just a couple years ago, I was main eventing massive shows, tearing the house down in, in Jim Crockett Promotions. Now I'm here just as a dragon, watching the Mountie get dragged off to jail. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's happening? But the Mountie is screaming, "You're hurting me! You're hurting me!" In his French accent, but that, to no avail. They just tossed his ass in the back of that paddy wagon and drove off. It's like his advice. <laughs> yeah, dragged him throughout the arena, tossed him in the paddy wagon, and pulled off to the nearest jail. <laughs> Which will where the Mountie would have to spend the rest of the night, according to the stipulation. Uh, but now it's like this kind of intermission time because we get a bunch of interviews at this yeah. point. Uh, backstage and whatnot in succession. Um, but after that, I don't know if you had, you had anything from the uh, intermission that you wanted to point out. Yeah, when we saw Gene Oakland uh, go into Randy Savage's locker room. Hilarious. All right, thank you very much, Sean Moody. The Macho Man Randy Savage, of course, is going to be exchanging nuptials with the phone. Elizabeth here at SummerSlam. Macho Man, I know you're on the horn with the 900 number, talking live to somebody right now. Excuse me, Macho Man. Well, apparently... Just ignore me, Gene. Well, apparently I'm not going to get an opportunity to talk with the Macho Man. However, right next door in her dressing room, and I'm sure she is just radiant... And, of course, always willing for a little conversation. Miss Elizabeth, I think I'll sneak over and talk to her. No way! We're in a hurry if we're going to see somebody. What'd you say, Elizabeth? Uh, apparently you not. You did know. Apparently is not her name. It's Elizabeth. But you All right. Said it just a <laughs> Thank you. Ago. I think if you stayed here with me, that would be fine. You don't mind making this a party line call, do you? I, I, I think that's <laughs> the way it's going to be with that. Be Let's join our... Broadcast colleague, Lord Alfred Hayes, with all the latest news from the UK. But in the meantime, here at Stateside, perhaps we could take a five-minute break. Uh, Five-minute break. Call that 900 number right now. (laughs) What do you want, Broke? Tell me right now. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me right now. Love it. You know about making this a party line, do you? Fantastic, man. Which reminds me of party. You ever heard of party line? Like, the actual party line? Uh, The actual party line? Yeah, like... Yeah, like party line, like it was like a thing you call, you talk to like random people. Oh no, you never heard of that? That was no. a big deal back like when I was in like middle school. What? Yeah. Nah, I was never big into calling those numbers on the phone anyway. I know. So I probably did. just didn't even pay attention to it. Were there like commercials for it? Uh, I don't know. I remember it though. I hated talking on the phone, so <laughs> I wouldn't seek out talking to multiple people that I didn't know on the phone. I, mean, I still hate talking on the phone. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Please don't call me. Just text me or email me. <laughs> there's a thing, like, you would call a number and you would talk to just random people and flirt, whatever. That was a thing that happened. Nah, that was like 1-800-WE-ARE-18 type of stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, is that what... This, this, I guess party line the term for that type of stuff 
I guess. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, okay. maybe that's that was a generic term. I just okay. remember it's called party line. Yeah, yeah definitely I, like the one eight hundred. It was like chat yeah, one nine hundred. I'm sure it was a nine hundred number, but yeah. no, it's like before chat rooms was a thing. You could talk to people. <laughs> oh, I remember those. Oh yeah, I re- vividly definitely. remember those. Yeah, I would always uh, act like, all right, tonight I'm going to do it. Tonight I'm going to call when my parents go to bed. But then it's like, I know it's going to show up with the phone bill, so I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, yeah, it was bad. It's going to show up on the phone bill. Damn. What a time. The numbers will show up on the phone bill. Yep. That is not even a thing anymore. (laughs) But after the intermission of SummerSlam 91, (laughs) with the paddy wagon, which arrives at jail with the Mountie. And he is dragged into the jail, kicking and screaming in his French accent. And we're only just beginning here, really. Yeah. Now we'll go back to the arena with Jimmy Hart, who's with the Nasty Boys, because they're about to defend their world tag team titles against the Legion of Doom. But he's losing his mind over the Mounties. <laughs> I'm going to get my lawyers on the phone, baby. I'll tell you right now that my lawyers. I'm going to get my lawyers. That's an invasion of privacy. Taking his exactly. photo. Taking his photo is an invasion of privacy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get my lawyers on the phone, baby. Don't worry about it, Mountie. <laughs> but the lawyers, man. I'm look. a big fan of your Jimmy Hart, man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. that. But the lawyers going to be like, look, this is wrestling law, man. Our hands are tied. Like, <laughs> yeah, wrestling <laughs> law, yep. <laughs> the stipulation specifically states that he has to spend a night in jail. Wrestling law has to be a body Listen, by. man, speaking of wrestling law... You know, we, we somebody from Fightful Alex, uh, Pavlovsky or whatever his name was, uh, you know, when John Cena came out on SmackDown and signed the contract instead of Finn Balor on SmackDown, and uh, I just said SmackDown twice in a row, whatever. And uh, he was going nuts saying, like, that's a violation of basic contract law, blah, blah, blah. Like, you're insulting our intelligence or whatever. And all I, did I mean, was, it's true. <laughs> all I, but all I did was respond. I mean, this is literally what wrestling contract law is like it's happened for years right. it's not it's just new it's not a new thing they're not insulting our intelligence because they've done it before like why are you why is your intelligence insulted from something like this that we've seen time and time and time and time because it's dumb it was dumb the it, first time but, it happened but he it's wound still up, dumb he, he didn't even respond he blocked me because it's like oh wow <laughs> it's like, like really like you, you like he has a podcast or whatever on fightful it's like listen you don't want to like converse about something like i'm not stupid like i'm not sitting here i was like why are you getting so bent out of shape? Why are wrestling marks getting so bent out of shape over stuff like John Cena signing a contract that doesn't even have his name on it? When like we've literally seen it well for decades at this just point. Just because we saw it for decades doesn't mean it's right. Okay, but why are you like freaking out today? Like why can't you just roll your eyes and be like, This is stupid? Like what why the freak out? It's stupid to me it's stupid to freak out about something we've seen that long. That we like it's not me. It's not like not caring and not wanting a a better product. Like, of course, we all want a better product, but at this point, like that's just what it is in WWE. Like, why we're not going to change it? Only they can change it, and they will eventually change it by the time they have no fans tuning in. Which <laughs> will, I mean, whatever. But uh, I just people get too bent out of shape over stuff like that. I just don't get it. You know? And same thing with like Mountie going to jail. Like I, you lost a wrestling match, so you're going to spend a night in jail. Like no rhyme <laughs> or reason, but 
You know, it is what it is. <laughs> did that, did were people going nuts about that back then? Probably not. <laughs> he actually, he didn't commit any crime. Why is he going to jail? <laughs> well, he he's tasing people. He's tasing people. So get him in there. That's fair. He is tasing <laughs> people against their will. No grounds to do it. You know, it's police brutality, I guess. Even though he's not an actual police officer, so I don't know. Uh, Um, Alistair Black just beat, uh, or sorry, Malachi Black just beat Cody Rhodes, by the way. (laughs) Oh. How about that? That's what it should happen. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So we're back with the Mountie as he's trying to get his, they're trying to take his photograph (laughs) because he's got to get fully booked into jail, even though he didn't commit a crime. But he got to book him. Listen, man. Got to. That paperwork, right? Paperwork. There's a whole procedure. You got to take. You got to do. You can't just throw them in there. You got to have the proper protocols take place. So he doesn't want his picture taken though. He's bending over. No, you're not taking my picture. <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh, big boss man, really got you, huh?" And he looks up and goes, "Like what? What did you say?" Kaching, <laughs> got the picture now. <laughs> That's like, my favorite no! part. You see, like. The officers, I don't know if they're actors or if they're real officers, whatever, at that point. I'm assuming they're actors, but like they're trying not to crack up at this point. And it just makes me laugh yeah. even harder. The Mountie is wild. Now we go back to Gene Oakland. He's interviewing LOD. They yell their way through another promo. And then we go back to the Mountie. It's yeah. not over yet. It's not. Because now he's getting fingerprinted again. This procedure has to be done. This process, this, these protocols... He the mountain ain't special. He's <laughs> just another just another guy in jail. All right. So he doesn't want to give his finger finger for fingerprints. The cops are like, give me your finger. Give me your finger. And he's like, What? I'll give you my finger. And proceeds to give him his middle finger into the camera. Yep. Clear as <laughs> day. The bird. Clear as day. And then when that happens, the cop grabs Grab. his finger <laughs> and fingerprints his ass. Give me your damn finger. I told you to give me your finger. Dips it in the black ink, whatever. Puts it on the paper. Boom. <laughs> the bounty <laughs> is now fingerprinted. <laughs> what? That was fantastic. What? <laughs> and again, this happened in 1991. He's got somebody flipping the bird. <laughs> it was on pay-per-view after all. So it wasn't like it was on TV. But, man, that's hysterical. That's quality television. I don't care what nobody say. <laughs> so now we're... Yeah. Done with the Mountie for now. We get another promo with Sergeant Slaughter. He has his gravelly voice with a promo. Nothing to see here. Then we go to, to Justice. This is in, this is when things get interesting because he's got his tank top referee shirt on. It's very tight, uh, form fitting around his muscles and whatnot. Uh, he's talking, and then Mean Gene was like, "Hey, look off to the side here. Check out this. Check out this TV. We had you." Little, you know, having a little chat with your homie uh, Sergeant Slaughter. They tried to recruit, you know, Sid Justice into their group, yeah, and make it a a, a, a quartet. So I guess it it, it go it would go from a triangle to terror of terror to a square. But that how it worked. <laughs> well, I mean, you would have to change the name then. Square of terror works for me. Nah, if it's going to be the shape, it's, it's got to be alliteration, man. It's got to be like, all right, so tra- uh, trapezoid of terror. It's got to be four sides. <laughs> right? 
I'm going with Trapezoid of Terror. The Rectangular Rebels. <laughs> no, no, no. Trapezoid of Terror. You go from Triangle to Trapezoid. I mean, we could just take Terror out of the name. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Or you just not have a name. But Trapezoid, yeah, I guess, you know. Why not? Right? <laughs> that's really dumb. I'm sorry. I apologize, Shooters Radio listeners, for my <laughs> dumb jokes. Uh, but I had to get that off. It just I couldn't help myself. Couldn't contain myself. Uh, but moving on to the WWF World Tag Team Championship, the Nasty Boys, Allentown's own Nasty Boys, defending against the Legion of Doom. And I wrote that the Road Warrior Pop is a real thing. Like, don't you ever deny yeah. it. Because the people went crazy on this night. And I wrote, like, you know, the Road Warriors had to have one of the best entrances in wrestling history. Between the music and the reaction and just th- their look and the persona, it, it didn't get much better as far as an entrance than the Road Warriors when they would come out. Legion of Doom, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. It, the, you know, things got turned up when they came out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, the match itself was standard fare. wasn't really crazy. Uh, LOD won with the Doomsday Device, which damn near kill, killed Sags. Was this uh, the uh, the first match that was like no count out, no DQ? And uh, sure. I don't know if it was the first one in WWF history, but uh, you know, I remember. I, I don't remember that being the stipulation until I rewatched this back. So I don't um, recall hearing that when I watched it. Last night. <laughs> yeah, well, they, you know, Sags was hitting Hawk with, like, that concession of drinks and whatnot. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. You remember Heenan says, I bet that's the first bath he's taken in a long time. Yeah, it's messed up. Which <laughs> it's is not even funny, Saturday though. night in the Big Apple. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end, again, LOD, Doomsday Device, which, again, Sags almost fell on the back of it. He, I think he did fall on the back of his head. Uh, I don't <laughs> think quite got all the way around. Yeah. yeah. But... In the end, the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, win their world tag team titles for the very first time. They're the first team to win the WWF, WCW, and AWA Mm. tag team titles. Of course, those are three major promotions of the 80s, uh, and they won them all. And they're the first team to do it. Uh, But I had a question. Hmm. Doomsday Device, is that the best tag team move Ever, it, it's a uh, it it could be one uh, number one, uh, but I if it is number one, that power and glory suplex Ooh. splash combination is one A because that's one of my favorites of all. What do they call well. that? I don't know if they have a name for it actually. Because I remember like, we talked about that. Yeah, it was, it was like, that's Summer a dope Slam finish. Ni- SummerSlam ninety. They mutilated the rockers in the opener and you know they had that uh they didn't even i don't think even think I th- they took off their shirts or whatever and then roma pinned Janetti with one foot like it was just like basically a squash and it wasn't was awesome. it like Shawn michaels was hurt something like that yeah yeah so they had to like you know take him out of the match legit because he was legit hurt but uh yeah it was uh that that finisher man they and on those tv tapings like every week superstars whatever wrestling challenge like they were killing robert uh jobbers <laughs> rob they were killing robbers <laughs> killing robbers killing jobbers <laughs> killing slobbers all that <laughs> slobber dockers don't matter <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man, I wish I knew the name of that finish. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I don't know if they had a name for it. Uh, just be Power Glory, maybe. I don't know. And that was such a good, such a great team name, too. And I was just mad it didn't last as long because, uh, you know, it, the look was great. Like, the shirts they wore were great. The, the glasses they wore, the tight matching tights, like, slick managing them. Like, it, it was great. Everything about it was great. I really enjoyed it. And maybe it's just because it was my f- foray into wrestling at that time but they were you know there but yeah i really enjoyed not only the team but that finisher man it's right up there with the doomsday device for me that was a dope finish uh doomsday device is up there uh 3d has to be up there the dudley death drop uh i guess i mean, I mean classic it's a Come diamond on. cutter so <laughs> we're talking about tag team finishes well but it's I mean, it is, but it's also cutter. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's also the lifting up of the guy. He's it's a diamond cutter from way high. In I the mean, air. it's a cool tag team move, but I don't. It's not near the top for me. Maybe to me, like top five. Top. Maybe top five. To but. me, it's one of the, especially when like the crowd calls for it. Pretty much every time you see him in the ring. Well, yeah, it, it's over. Like, yeah, yeah, give you that. And it's an exciting. You see that guy go fl- flying through the air like that, and somehow they always get that timing down when uh, Bubba Ray runs up and catches the guy like. I think 3D is a dope move. Um, I also like the rocket launcher. I thought the rocket launcher is always a good tag team finish. Uh, I remember Big Cass and Enzo use a yeah, rocket launcher. I mean, didn't like. I've seen others use that. I think they had didn't uh, like one two three kid and like Marty Jannetty or something have that. Maybe or maybe, maybe it was Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, <laughs> can't can't forget about the heart attack. That's a good great one. finish. Yeah, great finish, great name. By the way, uh, how do you feel about like more bang for your buck and or the Meltzer driver uh, from the no, Young Bucks? Nah, N- nothing. So. Nothing the Young Bucks do is gonna be on high on any list for me. <laughs> Damn, you at least give him credit for this dope move. I, I mean, like, no. yeah, Indy but... Taker, like that's a dope move. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's dumb. Like, the, the names are dumb, and most of the gimmick is kind of dumb. But but... I've seen, like, it elsewhere, pretty much. Like, even if it's, it hasn't been finishers, I mean, like, what do they do that's, move-wise, that's different? Like, I, I don't, is it different than anything uh, else? Like... Meltzer Driver is pretty, I mean... It's it is unnecessary to front flip off the springboard front flip type yeah. deal, but it's pretty to look at. Uh, yeah, okay. Us, I know, mean that's fine. Tombstone. But like I've seen it, so maybe not as a finisher, uh, but I've seen it, and yeah, the unbucks I've never uh, been high on my list. But uh, I mean, I will. I, admittedly, I have not tracked their career until the last couple of years, so I've only watched the majority of their matches in AEW, and. You know, I, the flippy stuff, like, okay, like, I'm I'm over it um, in terms of, like, being turned off by it. Like, it's just going to, it is what it is. That's what tag team wrestling is nowadays and any promotion at this point. It's not going to ever be the way it was when I was a kid, which is the, my favorite tag team wrestling. Uh, whether it's, like, squashes or technical matches, cutting off the ring in half, and the announcer's explaining to you that is, is the way of success for tag team wrestling. Like I, I bought into that when I was growing up and I, that's what made me enjoy it so much. 
So it's just different now. I don't like the double T moves all the time. Uh, that's it's just a personal preference. I don't look down on the people that do like it. I don't think their preference is worse or better than mine. It just is what it is. So, and that to me, that's what the young bucks are. Like they're not, they don't stand out for me f for any particular reason. Uh, I mean, they could be the best tag team in the modern day because of like the stuff they have they've accomplished, which is great. Like they've, I'm, I know they've been tag champs and. All, like a bunch of places and they have some great matches. Uh, but then again, you have like matches like the one, was it, what was it at, uh, was it revolution when it was like the young bucks versus FTR and it might've been full gear last year. I don't, I don't remember the pay-per-view, but it was like a 40 minute tag match. Like we don't need those. Like, like I said, like just cause a match is long doesn't mean it's good. It's like, you know, just get, get the story going. Like the story doesn't have to, go out for that long at certain times and for me sometimes it just feels like they feed their ego a little bit i mean it is what it is i mean maybe maybe they deserve to because they're the best tag team out there right now i mean they are if like worldwide like i, I don't think there's a tag team in wwe that really rivals them I in do. terms of accomplishments well in terms of just great tag team i'll go the usos Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean they're back together now, so technically they're a tag yeah. team. Yes, absolutely. So, and they're tag team champions. So, but it's you know it's not fresh in my mind the way the Young Bucks are with you know the run they've had. The Usos have only been back together what a couple months now, so it's not fresh in my mind that they're really back together, even though they are tag team champions. Because WWE booking just you know I I tend to forget who the champions are nowadays. It's just kind of like I only know the world champions. Sometimes I forget the mid card champions. It's just a crazy way wrestling is today that. Uh, my fandom's so much different than it was back then. So, uh, you know, when we deep dive into these old wrestling shows, it you know, it, it reminds me of why I fell in love with wrestling in the first place and probably why I prefer these shows over the modern shows that we see today. And it's just my preference. Like, I, I don't think anyone... If people that grew up with wrestling the way I did love the product more today than they did then, that's good for them. Like, I don't look down on them for that, but... My personal preference, uh, which I probably do get looked down on sometimes from you know other people, uh, is just this old school type stuff that I, you know, I mean during the pandemic it gave me some comfortability, you know, just watching these things and kind of reminded me why I fell in love with wrestling. So, and that's fair, you know. I mean, By the way, there's did, some. There's a big, I'm a, Cody Rhodes. I don't know if he retired, but <laughs> he took his boots off, right? Yeah, but I mm. think it's all story played out. Like, there's mean, no sure. way. There's no way that's real. Can't be. <clears throat> I'm sure. Uh, but moving on, <laughs> we're back with moving on from Cody and the Young Bucks. <laughs> we're back to the Mountie. This is what's really important here. <laughs> yeah. Who is now still being dragged to his cell? I don't know how big this jail is, but it takes like three hours to get to the jail cells. <laughs> apparently. Uh, the bounty is just still like wailing and crying. No, I love that. Don't take me. They're so like <clears throat> paying attention to the story. Like, okay, we gotta get him while he's booked. We gotta get his fingerprints. We gotta get his photo. Like, they're showing us every single part of it, and yes. I love that. <laughs> every step of the way, including to this point, where them sweaty ass New York cops <laughs> toss <laughs> the bounty into the jail and just kept it moving, despite all of his cries and pleas. 
Why were those guys so damn sweaty? They did not. I guess they didn't have air conditioning back in '91 in the jails. Yeah, I mean, maybe not. And it was the summer. It was August, so right. No AC at all. So they were sweating, sweating. But then we get an ad for the then Thanksgiving tradition of Survivor Series, which, of course, I to this day think Survivor Series is a trash show and should be changed. I I have no. I'll say it again. I have no positive feelings towards Survivor Series. I do not care about Survivor <laughs> Series in 2021 or beyond. Like I don't know why WWE keeps it around. It really does not... I don't know if it does business justice. Like You can say, oh, well, it pops a buy rate every year. More people watch this show than they do the previous month's show. If anything, it's one of the more inconsequential shows WWE has with all the cross-promotion stuff that just doesn't matter. Right? Like Nobody keeps track of who won like that one year where they had nxt they kept track of who won and who lost but they didn't do that last year and these matches just don't matter there's nothing even when nxt oh they won survivor series and now what yeah nothing <laughs> <laughs> that's it what's the point don't give a damn so moving on we have irs and greg valentine for highlight. some reason on the show highlight of the night <clears throat> We got, as Bobby Heenan described it, the figure four versus the W4, which I, I thought was kind of clever. <laughs> By the way, I, I, until the last few years, I forgot IRS was here in 91. Like he, I thought he was like a 93, 94, 95 guy in WWF, but no, like he, he came early. He was like nine, 1991, and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I, didn't re- I, didn't, I don't remember that. One of the first occupational gimmicks, I guess. He was, <laughs> he's the yeah. tax guy. Yeah. Wrestling in a suit and suspenders. I love how Howard Finkel's saying Erwin R. Scheister, otherwise known as IRS. <laughs> they have to make sure that we know it stands for IRS, you know. Yes. And his name, Erwin R. Scheister. <laughs> Gotta love the last name. Of course, uh, Erwin R. Scheister is the father of Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda. Erwin R. Scheister's real name is Mike Rotunda. Uh, but you know, son Wyndham Rotunda, Rotunda recently released from WWE, yeah, which was surprising. That. Very surprising. Very surprising. You know me though; I was never a big fan of the the Fiend stuff. No. So it's just wild though that they put so much time and effort into that, and just said, "Here you go, Alexa Bliss. Bye, Bray." And that was <laughs> it. It's like, damn. Well, all right then. Yeah. That's wild. It but is. you know. Uh, again, I, I think I've said this before in the podcast. I think I've said it many times in the podcast. When Bray Wyatt first got to the main roster as the cult leader, the backwards cult leader, to me, that was scary enough. Like, cult leaders in real life are scary people. They can they can control people. They manipulate people. And they can get them to do horrible, terrible things. That alone is scary. And then WWF was like, ah, not enough. We've got to give them superpowers. And they ruined it. And then he lost to John Cena. And then he lost to the Undertaker. And then he lost to this guy and that guy. Then he became a crazy clown. And he's lost some more. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, we it thought had... he was going to beat the Undertaker too, or Mania. Was, we were like kind of up in arms that the Undertaker beat him. It's like what? Like... So what the hell? Then they had the worms on the projection screen at WrestleMania that one year in the worst WWE title match that I can remember at WrestleMania. It's like I don't know whose ideas yeah. these were, but they sucked. <laughs> like, or at least the idea of Bray Wyatt losing all the time. Yeah. Just not a good deal. Uh, but 
unlike his son, IRS won on this night. Yay! And no one cared. So, <laughs> my favorite part of the match. Monsoon, did your dad wear suspenders? Sometimes. Did your dad? Oh, you wouldn't know, Piper. They were never home when you got there. Damn. What's that got to do with that? He laughed us. He was your kid. Would you wait for him? <clears throat> he was your kid. Would you wait for him to come home? Damn. He used to get his lunch wrapped in a road map. That's, Quit that's talking what, to me. Somebody's bugging me over here. Well, that's one of your stooges. One of your assistants. He's been flossing with toilet paper again, huh? <laughs> Damn. He kind of ate his lunch in a road map. <laughs> that's messed up. He said, if this is your kid, would you oh, <laughs> wait, for, wait for him to be home? Would you go home to him? Damn. Oh, my God. We move on from that, and we get a promo from Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, which is the 80s and early 90s wrestling personified. It doesn't get much more, you know, there's no more personification of this era as far as a promo than these two guys, right? Which, by Warrior standards, he was pretty coherent in this promo. I can understand what he was talking about. It's pretty good for him. But here's the thing about Ultimate Warrior, which is not pretty good. <clears throat> he had in his mind that he wanted to get paid the exact same money as Hulk Hogan, <laughs> which and I, you know, in one end I can I can see it's like, hey man, I was a champion. You kind of gave me the ball, let me run with it. Now, business wasn't great, but you, I'm pretty much his equal. You pu- you pushed me like I'm his equal. Mm. I want to get paid like him. I don't blame him for wanting that, but I think he went about it all wrong. And how did he go about it? He went about it by holding up Vince McMahon, essentially, demanding more money right before SummerSlam 1991. And if he didn't get his money, he wasn't going to work that night. <laughs> yeah. not, not the most professional way to handle that. No. There are such things as holdouts and like mm-hmm. football. You see guys mm-hmm. hold out all the time, but they don't do it like right before a game. You know, you imagine a player coming to the stadium week three or something like that. Like, you know what? Yeah. I want to get paid. I'm not playing today. Like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> you gonna do this now on game day? Get the this- win and then fire him right after the win. <laughs> well, because that's what happened to Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate- Vince McMahon temporarily granted Warrior his demands. He's like, all right, I got you. I'll, I'll give you the money. After the match, after Warrior chased uh, Mustafa and Adnan backstage, right then and there, Vince fired his ass. It's like, nope, went back on that, reneged on that real fast. Get out. Yeah, Pretty much. Here's <laughs> Warrior running backstage. <laughs> hey, Vince. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> now what? Okay, bye. <laughs> he like came I said, back I don't like think, eight months later. <laughs> right. I don't think Warrior was totally out of bounds for like saying, hey, I want to get paid like Hogan. Uh, no. He was a top guy. Maybe he wasn't as quite a top guy as Hogan was, but he was on that level. He was in that. He was one of two or three people in that uh, stratosphere. You know, the other person being savage, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Hogan was the golden goose, bro. Like, you can't deny that he was box office and more so than Warrior. Uh, so he's why he got the title back in WrestleMania. Um, 
but I don't blame Warrior for wanting more money. I just think he went about this horribly wrong and unprofessional. The day of the show you do this, we can't right. have a, a, a an ongoing dialogue about you getting more money and we handle this differently. You do this and you threaten to not work. If I, if I don't pay you right away, that's kind of... What is the negotiation tactics here? Mm-hmm. You know? As far as the match itself, it's a match. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, Sid, the thing about Sid is that everybody's wondering, like, whose side is going to be on? Is he going to yeah. take somebody's side? And in the beginning, we get, you know, Sid snatching a belt away from Sergeant Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would eventually reprimand Hulk Hogan for not listening to him. And that was supposed to show that he was impartial. Yeah. Um, at one point, <laughs> we got a back rig, I believe from Adnan, to Hogan. And it just made me think, like, the back rig is one of the most weird moves in professional wrestling history. I love it. It just it hurts like weird. hell. I'm I, sure if it was real, it hurts it. like hell. You do love it as as a pro wrestling movie because it's so silly. It's, just, it's so pro wrestling. <laughs> but logically, who just just scratches their opponent on the back? Ah, take these claws. Yeah, man, open them up. Get the blood going. Secondly, we never really see that. But <laughs> secondly, wrestlers, especially Hogan, were so oily back then, <laughs> which would make that move highly ineffective. <laughs> but we didn't know that. Your hands just slip right off his back. There's but no way to get the traction there. It was like me putting the figure four on my neighbor and being like, why aren't you in pain? Like, we, we just didn't know that. You didn't put it in right. <laughs> figure four can hurt. Well, I mean, like, I'm not trying to hurt my neighbor's legs at the same time. Why not? If you're going to do the figure four, <laughs> there's got to be some pain there. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I did give him a brain buster accidentally. Oh, my on God. The, on the, on the ground, on the, on the grass. Yeah. It Jesus. Was, it was not good. He was. So you didn't want to hurt him, but you put him in a brain buster? Well, like, it was an accident. I didn't. It was supposed to be a suplex, and uh, he That's just went so down bad. on his head, and it was like a brain buster. It was near a rock, uh, like a, a rock that was in the soil. Ooh. So uh, I think he caught the edge of it, and he was out of it for a while. Damn, Tully Blanchard, take it easy. <laughs> I was like, my bad, are you okay? Are you okay? And this is what we didn't know things about, like concussions. And it's like, oh, well, if your your bell got rung, then... Uh, Don't tell was, your parents. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right, same time tomorrow. <laughs> right. Jesus. You're like Gordy from Ready to Rumble. Gordy and Sean just <laughs> doing wrestling moves on people. That's right. Take it easy. Yeah, it's fun. Arn Anderson. Fun. <laughs> uh, at one point in the match, Warrior's doing his offense. He's running the ropes, and he accidentally runs into Sid. Yeah, and then the two have a stare down. It's like you know, for a short amount of time, but it's like, like oh, watch yourself, warrior. What the hell are you doing? They were were they setting something up between those two? We didn't get to find out because warrior <laughs> got fired like minutes later. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it like they had the match laid out, and maybe they had, but you know, warrior was still doing this thing with Jake Roberts and and the Undertaker because he had been bitten by the Cobra before this, so. I think they were going to go that route, and then they were supposed to be like a main event somewhere at some time. But yeah, and Jake was pissed that yeah, Warrior he got himself fired. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna make some money with you. So I mean, it would be nice to plant the seed and have Warrior Sid. That would have been, you know, something to do because by the time Warrior came back, WrestleMania Sid was out. 
And, you know, and they just couldn't coexist in the same plane. It's they funny. <laughs> in 96. Yeah. Warrior was out. And yep. comes Sid. <laughs> like, you just couldn't have those two guys in the same spot at the same time. Just Warrior went to WCW. Time space continuum would just break. Warrior went to WCW 98, left, and then Sid came in 99. Like, oh. Right. <laughs> you couldn't. No. There's, there's not enough space, not enough room for Sid and, and Warrior together in the same promotion. Mm-mm. I can't last too long. Too many combustible elements there. <laughs> They're always just passing ships in the night somehow. And like I said, on this night, Warrior got fired like a couple minutes after their little stare down there. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, I, I just can't even imagine if, let's say, Warrior hadn't gotten fired moments later. Uh, what could have happened between these two? Mm. Maybe, like I said, maybe the time space continuum would have messed up. Maybe we would <laughs> wouldn't even be here right now if they had clashed. Cause space just, would have hit the end and it would have contracted right. and we would have all just... And, and Sid really would have been the ruler of the world at that point. <laughs> like, for real. Um, he ain't lying. <laughs> but just for the promos alone, the promos would have been crazy. Wild. The matches... Would have been garbage, but the promos would have been crazy, bro. They would have talked me into the building. Dude, the warrior would have never taken the power bomb, not once. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! You imagine how awful those matches were. But the thing is, they would have talked me into the building and then let me down every time yeah. <laughs> when, the, when the bell rang. Yeah, I'd be like, "Oh, it's going. This is going to be the one." Oh, ding, ding, ding! Oh, this is trash <laughs> again. Damn, <laughs> trash again. Then they get to talking again. Oh man, Sid going to do it this time. Ding, ding, ding. Damn. Trash again. They got me again, y'all. Got me again. How trash is this match? So it's probably for the better that we didn't get anything between these two guys. And they weren't existing on the same plane and the same promotion for too long. Because things would have just went left in the world, probably. They would have. It would have been bad for everybody. Would have. So, again... Warrior chases Adnan and Mustafa backstage, promptly gets fired. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the ring, Hogan uses the powder, I guess it's a taste of Slaughter's own medicine. That's victory to... powder, it's victory powder. Victory powder. There you go. Hogan hits the leg drop, wins the match. He begins to pose. Warrior does not join him. Why? He was fired. <laughs> Couldn't join him. <laughs> He was literally fired at that point, like right. in real he was time. Not an, not an employee anymore. He's packing his bags by that point. So instead of Warrior, again, for the second, for the first time, Sid replaces Warrior <laughs> in some capacity. This time, it's to pose with Hulk Hogan. And I think he even said, "Well, this must be the marriage." <laughs> like, <laughs> and they pose, and off we go. But we move on. We get one last look at the Mountie in jail. This is when things go left with the Mountie. <laughs> yeah. Because he's in jail with two other men. One guy's talking to him. Hey, that's my friend. And the other guy, the guy's friend, hits on the Mountie. And I guess because they're in jail, this guy's supposed to be gay and a gay man in jail. That's supposed to be funny in 1991. Yeah. Didn't age well 30 years later. No, not at the height of, uh, I said, just a bit homophobic. And this was around, uh, still, people were scared of HIV and stuff like that. And they were blaming gay men 
for the spread of HIV and AIDS and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, not, not great. Yeah. The Mountie potentially being sexually assaulted. Very funny. In 1991. Not in 2021. Things changed over the last 30 years. Um, so moving on from that, very awkward transition from that to a, a loving, touching video package <laughs> about Macho Man and Elizabeth. Not Elizabeth, but Elizabeth, as Macho Man called her when he proposed. Uh, <laughs> we see the moment that he proposed and he called her Elizabeth. Will you marry me? <laughs> very emphatically. There you go. And she said, oh, yeah, and we were off and running. <laughs> but Vince McMahon's commentary during the proposal, ridiculous yeah. as expected. <laughs> he's going to do it. He's going <laughs> to, he's going to, he's going to propose. He's going to propose. He's going to pop the, he's going to, he's going to pop the question. <laughs> Vince, take it easy. I wrote that this must have been really weird for Miss Elizabeth. What if she was like... Oh, hell no! (laughs) I mean, that's the thing, though. Because in reality, their relationship was not in good shape. They were divorced in real life a year later. And they're already actually in real life been married. So for her, and their relationship was on the rocks, and here's Macho Man, here's Randy Savage, being on one knee again, on bended knee... Expressing his love, professing his love, proposing, and she has an you know to play her role and pretend to be like, oh yeah, like she's crying and all yeah. this and that. But in reality, she's like, man, I man, this is this is weird because yeah, it's like they're already divorced. Right? Their life ain't like this right at that point. Well, I think they were getting they're in the process of getting one. I think by the next yeah. year they were divorced. Yeah. So it had to be kind of weird for both yeah, of them, I'm sure. It, it but I, to, yeah. I, I, would, I would assume definitely for Elizabeth because she's the one getting proposed to and she has to pretend that she's like, oh, yeah, like all about it. I don't know. Maybe they were into it. Maybe they hoped it would help them salvage perhaps, things. Perhaps. But that didn't happen, fortunately. Uh, we then get a video package, very sappy video package celebrating Macho Man and Elizabeth's love. Which you noticed, and I noticed, like, I probably would have noticed it if you hadn't said anything, but you <laughs> told me ahead of time that this song that was used in the, on Peacock is not the original song that was used on pay-per-view and no. on YouTube, apparently, too, and other editions uh, of this video. You know, I should have made a soundbite of it, and I didn't. I don't know why I didn't think of it, but... Probably uh, better off that you don't because of music yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true, you know. Um, we, don't the, need, we don't need our pockets spending like Pacone, ethnic Pacone. <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed if the song didn't sound so clear. You know, like it. Yeah, there's, there's certain audio things that you notice, uh, like you, you can just automatically tell that it's dubbed over, even if you don't. If you're not familiar with, you know, watching the product, uh, you know, I've seen this pay per view before a few other times, but. I don't think I would have noticed unless it wasn't the same song that they used and tested Stephanie's wedding. 
on Raw in 1999. Uh, they had the... Uh, it wasn't a music video th- at that point. It was two singers on the stage that sang uh, the song that titled Together Forever. And I remember that song. I was like, wow, I remember this song. What's it from? When I was watching Raw that night from 1999. And it wasn't until a few... Might have been that year or the year after uh, they released the SummerSlam box sets because uh, WWE released the WrestleMania box sets, and I don't remember what year. I don't know if it was '98 or '99, uh, but then SummerSlam was released, and '91 was one of the first ones I got uh, because I didn't have it on VHS. You know, I went over my babysitter's house, but we didn't have the VHS for that, so. Uh, because obviously we didn't order it at home. We didn't tape it or whatever. And my babysitter, if they taped it, like they had to tape. And I remember watching that video cassette and that I'm pretty sure it wasn't dubbed over there. So, uh, you know, I, I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, like that's what I remember. Uh, and I put two and two together, you know, a few months uh, apart. So I went back and I noticed that and on WWE's YouTube channel, they still have this music video up with the original song, Together Forever, from what I remember as a kid. So then I went to, you know, it was dubbed over on Peacock, and I went over to WWE Network. I went to, I visited my other house in the United Kingdom a couple days ago, uh, flew over there and checked into my house, and I was connected to the United Kingdom Wi-Fi. And uh, like, they don't have Peacock. I'm like, over. I was really confused for a second. I'm like, wait, a, what the hell is he going with this? Oh, I get it now. Yeah. I was lost for a second. I'm I not going to lie to you, but I get it now. <laughs> Keep going. Logged in the WWE Network because they don't have Peacock or they don't have WWE on Peacock over there. So I logged into the <laughs> WWE Network and it's still My it's man, the European over. champion. You got a house in the UK. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, the Docklands. You know, it's great. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it was dubbed over on WWE Network too, and I I don't I, I thought it was the original, you know, years ago. I remember watching SummerSlam '91 on the network, and I thought it was the original song. So maybe it, maybe it wasn't at that point, or they just recently dubbed it over on the network and on Peacock, or when they switched it to Peacock. So now both versions on the network and on Peacock are dubbed over. But that video package of Savage and Liz with the original song together forever is still on their YouTube channel. So, I mean, they, they have the video, and I'll, I'll tweet it out. I actually already did tweet it out. I made a thread either yesterday or the day before because uh, it you know it, was, it jogged my memory, and uh, I tweeted it out there. So go to Pacone underscore on Twitter, uh, scroll the timeline. You'll see I tweeted out the YouTube video, and I'll tweet it out again. Uh, it's the original song, and it, that song rules. I love that song because it reminds me of Savage Liz, Tess Stephanie, like wrestling. It's just my childhood, and it all comes together, and that's why I love that song so much. So when I heard the dubbed over version, I just absolutely hated it. It sucked. <laughs> I mean, the song wasn't that bad. It was, Man, it was, a, it was, a, it was an alright song. Screw that song. It's a fine song. Screw that it's song. just, it's clear that it's not the original song. For one, like you said, it comes through very clear through the headphones, through your speakers, which is not how songs from 1991 or from a a telecast 1991 would sound right. That sound quality would not be that what you know that good. Also, the song sounded the song itself sounded very modern. I'm just like, yeah. oh, this is like, yeah. this doesn't sound like a song from 91. And then you hear the actual song, it's like, oh, okay, like 
That sounds much like a song, this duet type song from 91. That sounds very much like a song from back then. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that was weird. Yeah. It was very weird. And, and like I said, it's still on the YouTube channel, which is weird because if the it music. Is, they uploaded it in April 2013. It's still there, the original song with the original Savage and Liz video package. Right. So if, if the song is not great for Peacock and they're like worried about the music, mm-hmm. they should be worried about that on YouTube as well. Yeah. Together forever. I wonder, and I honestly wonder if that song is monetized. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I run the YouTube for the Eagles, so I'm, you know, kind of, I know yeah. about these type of things. But I wonder if that video is monetized because sometimes uh, these music companies they, they they like have a thing that can easily like instantly pick up their their songs and will hit your video like a copyright claim. It doesn't really affect your channel. Yeah. It just means that you can't monetize it or. Sometimes you could share the monetization. They get a cut of it or something like that. Either way, uh, you know, just curious about that type of stuff. But um, we get the video package, the super sappy one, which in hindsight is kind of sad because, you know, they both passed on. Yeah. And uh, you see in some of the, you know, the good days, at least on TV, at least some of the good days they had uh, as a couple. Um, but we get to the wedding. It's now time for the match made in heaven. We get the match made in hell already. But this is the match made in heaven. It is the main event. Again, the last thing we'll see at SummerSlam 1991 is a wedding. Not just any wedding, though. This is a wedding between Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. And honestly, they kind of deserved the main event because they were two very over characters. Obviously, Macho Man, a former champion, one of the most popular wrestlers in the world, one of the most recognizable wrestlers in the world to this day. Still, his personations everywhere. You still see some of his merch in places. See, see his videos, his gifts and memes and whatnot with Macho Man. But this was a meaningful thing for the fans. As weird as it sounds, you know, today, again, a wedding, main eventing, the second biggest pay-per-view of the year, blasphemous. But in 91... <laughs> It actually kind of made sense given the stature of Macho Man and Elizabeth and how invested people were because they had been on TV for, what, like five, six years by this point as a, as a pair? I think they got together in, like, 86 when they first paired them up, maybe. I think so, yeah. I think 86. I think they were together at WrestleMania 2, uh, I think. Um, so we're at 91 now, so that's about five years, right? So you've seen them on TV for five years, and then you had the breakup and was it 19, was it 89, 90? That was 90. Well, yeah, 89 when the, when the, the Mega Macho Powers King. exploded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, the Mega Powers, yep. Right. And that was yep. the, the kind of, I guess, the beginning of the end of that. And then there was like a whole year or two where they weren't together. And they get back together in that emotional moment in WrestleMania 7 the earlier this year. moment of my childhood in wrestling after the best match ever, that I, my most favorite match. It was just fantastic. Right, people are literally in in the crowd crying, like real tears. That's how invested people were into the union of Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. That was just how so, invested people were into wrestling too. That's, that's fair. <laughs> no, that's a hundred percent fair. That's a hundred percent true. Especially that storyline. But especially that, because it had nothing to do with really wrestling. This is all about yep. a couple's love, you know, a couple's relationship, and people were that invested in it. So they were so invested that it warranted the main event of SummerSlam and get it, you know, his own tagline, the match made in heaven. Uh, you know, and here wonder, we are. We, go I, ahead. I do wonder if, like, through the years, they made it a point to, like, the blow off of this will be you guys getting married on TV. Because they were married in real life. They never mentioned it on TV. So it was like, 
it grew and it grew in the audience you know they didn't know they were married and you know i think it was like perfectly played as a story um unfortunately not in real life for them it, it didn't work out but uh like no one knew they were married so i think the fact that they never said it and then they finally like this is the blow off this is the payoff not the blow off yeah. but this is the payoff like they're getting married and a main the, ha- event the of happy a, ending of a WWF pay-per-view which they only had four at that point and then so I mean like it's just absolutely nuts looking back how yeah I'm sure like I I mean I'm not sure but like I wonder if the seeds were planted early like okay you guys are gonna split up was gonna go away for a little bit she's gonna come back you're gonna reunite then we're gonna have a wedding on pay-per-view and I wonder like just how planned out that was or if it was like a thing they thought about months prior instead of years prior it's very interesting how that arc went. Yeah, it really is. And it played out over the course of years with them being together, breaking up and getting back together and then being married. It's, it's kind of a great story. I mean, it is a great story. Not kind of. It is a great yeah. story uh, in pro wrestling. Uh, but we get Macho Man. He's the first one out because, you know, the groom always the first one out. And he is out there in what has to be the wildest groom outfit of all time. <laughs> if I ever get married, I want to wear the same thing. Your your wife to be would not let you wear that. I'm gonna just let you know right now. Spoiler: she might just cancel everything if you try to wear that. I'm gonna tag old takes exposed if uh, if that. Uh, I'm just saying she's not happen. gonna she's not gonna go for it. She's not gonna let you wear the white tights with the gold diamond pattern, right? <laughs> and then the gold jacket with the white tassels or whatever hanging from the jacket. And then the gold hat with this big ass feather that came off the biggest bird in New York. It's not happening, bro. No. Hey, no, 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 no. Maybe. No, 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 no. Maybe. Not, not letting it happen. Uh, I just noticed when the Flower Girl's coming out, we saw Pat Patterson. And it's not the first time we saw him. I saw him a couple times in the show. So, you know, shout out to Pat Patterson, I guess. Rest <laughs> in peace. Um, <laughs> when the Ring Bearer came out, Bobby Heenan. Clown in the ring bear. He's just a little, he's just a little boy, by the way. Uh, the ring bear is really a midget. I found out. <laughs> <laughs> and Piper was mad as hell. Heenan, I, you mess if you mess this up. <laughs> like, how's Bobby Heenan gonna mess up a wedding though? Like, that's the best thing about it, right? Just how they go back and forth, and Piper's like, "You better not mess anything up." Like, what's Bobby Heenan gonna mess <laughs> up? Like, you don't you never know, man. It's amazing. He might talk come out talking about the real world's champion again. <laughs> during a wedding. <laughs> right, during the wedding. Just never know. Um, I'm imagining like you know, cause now Melissa Elizabeth comes out and she looks great, obviously. And they're going through the whole ceremony. I'm just imagining that this happening today and how many chants could potentially break out, you know, during this wedding. Nobody was chanting anything. They were just literally watching, intently watching as if they were actually at a real wedding. Like Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, no <laughs> chance. No, no fight forever chance. No, this is wrestling chance. None of that. Get married forever. <laughs> yeah. Marriage rules. To cl- Love to forever. <laughs> Love forever. <laughs> Love forever. 
But I was thinking, like, maybe it wouldn't matter because the the wedding would surely get ruined by another wrestler at some point. So right. there probably wouldn't be enough time for chance. Like, we wouldn't get to the part where the, there's a ring exchange and the vows and all that. It, we wouldn't get to that part. So but we definitely wouldn't get to the part where Savage is repeating after the the pastor, which was pretty funny because he's saying these words as Macho Man. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> not as... Randy Poffo. No. <laughs> he is Randy Savage, the Macho Man, repeating after the pastor, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, they say I do, exchange their vows, they kiss the bride, and their streamers set off in the arena. Everybody's happy. And we go off the air with Mr. and Mrs. Savage. And that is SummerSlam 1991. Nick, you have any final thoughts on the show? I'm absolutely pissed that they didn't show the reception. That's fair. Because I could have sworn on an earlier network version that they had the reception after. They should. Because that's what happened. That's where the story happens. Like, I guess it's nice to end it with the wedding. But then you have Jake Roberts crashing the wedding, gifting a cobra. A King Cobra? Maybe the same one that bit the Ultimate Warrior? <laughs> and, like, you have The Undertaker and Jake Roberts crash, and then Sid coming I was gonna in. Say, like, the Undertaker was there, too, just hanging yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, like, why didn't we get to see that? I kind of mad. And, I, you know, I didn't have time to go through Peacock to see if they have, uh, you know, the, the actual video of it so we could break it down. But um, I remember everything about that, too. I mean, I... Gene Oakland was on the mic, and I'm sure they showed it on like primetime wrestling the next week or superstars or whatever. But uh, on the network, when they uploaded it, I could have sworn they had added it to the well, end of SummerSlam '91. But they do they, that they with don't. like some shows, like they had the Coliseum video stuff, like they yeah. did with King of the Ring '96. We talked yeah, about it a yeah. couple weeks ago when they had, or a month ago, where they had the promos after the show, where I think it was Jim Cornette, Camp Cornette had the promo. I think they had done this with SummerSlam '91 on the network. I don't know if that changed but they have that is a precedent uh, that they upload the coliseum video stuff on the back end of the show especially if it ties into what just happened yeah and you know i when i was in the uk visiting my other home i I went (laughs) logged into the network i went to the end of the show and it wasn't there it's like oh man like what's going on here like because i could have sworn years ago it was added to the end of the show so they could have take they could have re-edited it or re-uploaded i don't know but um, I don't even think they have the primetime wrestling episode of, you know, uh, by the way, primetime wrestling, a great show that had storylines continue that I, I'm looking forward to watching when they finally upload all of them, especially the Mr. Perfect face turn in 92. It was fantastic. But, uh, yeah, they didn't even have that. So like I wanted to see, see the reception again and, uh, see Jake Roberts crash it and Liz going nuts when she opens the box and the Cobra comes out. It's, it's, fantastic stuff and it built that feud with jake and randy like it, it was so well done and then you had sid who was you know the baby face uh with hulk hogan at the end of the show or at the end of the wrestling main event coming in and uh try and save him you know it was great they need to put it back at the end of summerslam 91 don't know what the I hell agree. they're thinking over there it's 
it's a nice companion piece to the end of that because like you said it sets up what happens moving forward so but alas it's not there and we have to wrap up episode 294 <laughs> of the straight shooters so nick well i guess before that before we wrap it up i'm gonna give my final thoughts on the show which i thought again yeah. very eventful uh represented a little bit of a transition a little bit of a shift in yeah. some of the uh the players so to speak you know we have DiBiase kind of being cycled out, and uh, in comes, like I said, Jake, who back up, you know, to the to the main events, and the Undertaker and Ric Flair is coming in, and the whole thing. So, uh, and Sid is already there. So, it was pretty much like a almost like a reset, a little bit for WWF in yeah. in, in August of 1991, and things are going to get you know rolling hot until WrestleMania eight in early '92. So. Uh, SummerSlam 91, a landmark show. One of the better SummerSlams, I think, of all time, too. I mean, just from the eventfulness, that, that, if that's a word of it. Um, there have probably been better SummerSlams from a, a wrestling standpoint, but just from the things that is happening, from the wedding to all the stuff with Bret Hart, and then you got the Hogan stuff and the Warrior backstage getting fired, that whole thing, and it's a lot going on. So, um, a fun show to watch, and, and it's... it's you know, very memorable show, SummerSlam 91. But let's wrap it up for episode 294 with some plugs, please, Nick. Follow me at Pacone underscore on Twitter. <laughs> Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. And we're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And you can find this podcast possibly on PhillyInfluencer.com, PhillyVoice.com. And eventually a little write-up, uh, you know, might happen next week of our interview with Ian Riccoboni and I'll have some quotes uh, and an article for that for Philly Influencer and possibly Philly Voice. So be on the lookout. Make sure you look out for our Patreon, patreon.com slash radio so you can submit your requests for a future deep dive that we shall fulfill. Also, there's some exclusive content up there as well on the Patreon. Subscribe, $2 a month, and you can put in your request for a future deep dive. I am at Von M. Johnson on Twitter. If you can't find me there, you can probably find me out here in the streets. You can find my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, I will be out in Canton, Ohio this weekend for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Harold Carmichael is getting inducted. Uh, it's been a long time coming for Harold, so I'll be out there uh, documenting a lot of different things for our social media channels and whatnot. So check me out there. At Eagles. <laughs> I'll be posting to that uh, all weekend. As I've been posting there all training camp, too. It's it's, it's been pretty hectic. But, uh, yeah, check me out there. And, yeah, check us out on all the podcast platforms that are available, uh, including uh, ShootersRadio.com. Can't forget about ShootersRadio.com. Of course, we're part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Proud to be a part of that. Uh, very cool to be a part of that family. So, yeah, good times here at the straight shooters but alas we got to wrap it up for episode 294 so for nick Picone, i am Vaughn johnson thanks for listening to episode 294 of the straight shooters and we'll catch y'all again next week hey baby this is jimmy hart baby the man for the south jimmy hart and you listen to the Vaughn johnson is nick Picone of the straight shooters baby yeah baby hulk hulk is my best friend did you know that <laughs>